Good evening and welcome to the 22nd uh, meeting of the Milton Planning Board for fiscal 2023. Um, I'd like to now call the meeting to order and begin by introductions. Um, Maggie? Uh, Maggie Oldfield, member. Sean? Sean Fahey, member. Cheryl? Cheryl Tagaya, secretary. And Meredith Hall, serving as chair. I'm now introducing our staff. Julia? Julia Gettin, clerk. Josh? Josh Eckhart Lee, Assistant oh, Town Planner. You're muted, Josh. Am I still muted? Nope, we can oh, hear you now. now. You're good. That's Josh Eckhart Lee, Assistant Town Planner. And Tim. Uh, Tim Zerwinski, Director of Planning and Community Development. Good evening and welcome to everyone um, in the public and, and who's watching on Zoom. Um, if we can uh, first begin with our administrative items. Um, we have um, the approval of our minutes from March 23rd. Um, we're gonna defer the minutes from the 30th, um, waiting for uh, Cheryl will um, be editing those. So if I, has everyone had a chance to review? I'm good with the 23rd, yeah. Okay. Great. Um, with that, um, if I could have a motion, please. Oh, actually, I had one correction. It says I was absent, but I was there on the 23rd. Okay. Sorry. No, that's good. So with that, friendly uh, motion to amend that, a correction? Can I'll I make a motion? Yeah, I'll make a motion to approve the minutes of... March 23rd. March 23rd as amended tonight. Second? I'll second. Okay, roll call. Maggie? Yes. Sean? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. And myself? Yes. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, the next um, item is the discussion of our next meeting dates. And we, we have a uh, date set for April 27th currently. And then Tim in May, um, we haven't set a date for that. I don't know if, are we, there, there shouldn't be a reason to deviate from our standard? No, um, we, we can talk about this probably on the 27th, um, but we'll, we'll probably want to schedule some pre-town meeting meetings. Okay. Um, but you know, those will be coinciding right. with town meeting themselves. Okay, so I let's- I actually have to figure that out because there's a room someone um, Lynn was asking me if okay. she could give the room away. So okay, so let's hold off on on that first meeting in May, um, and we can look at the schedule on the twenty seventh on when we think it would be best to meet. Um, then we can move to staff update. Tim, um, pretty pretty full agenda, so I'll I'll defer a staff update. Um, I did. I don't know if Josh conveyed it to anyone else. Um, we, we did hear from uh, Sue Galvin, the town clerk. Um, she's got a, a hard stop at seven thirty. Um, she's here to discuss the uh, zoning codification article. So um, I, I don't know if, if she would at least get an opportunity to speak um, ahead of that, that hearing being opened or, um, you know, but, but we do want to hear from, from the town clerk on that. Um, so um, I don't know if she, I, I, I see she's in the attendees right now. Great. Um, so uh, Meredith, it's up to, it's up to you, but um, yes, I think we should have her, yeah, allow her to speak at citizens speak. Cause we certainly, we won't get to it um, before 7.30. Um, okay, is that it Tim? Great. All right, at this time then, I would now um, like to offer citizens speak. Um, and why don't we begin with Sue? So just Sue can um, speak first and then we'll go to the audience and members of the public. 
So one question about that, if I may. Mm -hmm. um, Sue speaking, uh, as Susan speak will mean that her testimony is not part of the public record for the public hearing. So I wonder if we can ask the 440 Grandin Ave folks to ha allow us to open their public hearing, but then defer it for um, at least 15 minutes. 15 minutes for yeah. Sue Galvin. We can. Does then, that is that a that would be great, and then we'll. Okay, um, and that way we'll have it in the record. That's a so great idea. I think what we could do is once we open that one, we could defer that again. So we'll be jumping around a little bit. Right. Yes. Um, so with that, is there anyone else who would like to speak on anything that is not on the agenda this evening? You can open that up to others. There will be time to speak when, when the various um, public hearings are open. So are you seeing anyone from the, on Zoom who would like to speak? No. Okay. And um, I'd also like to welcome Rich just arrived. So if you'd like to introduce yourself. And yeah, yep, Rich Beeler, planning board member. Great. And um, great. And I, I, I will just say that um, because it's going to, we don't want to wait till it's too late, but we just want to, um, I just wanted to thank Rich for all of his work on, on this board. And um, this is Rich's final meeting. Um, he'll be leaving the planning board. And we just want to really thank you for all of your, your hard work and service to the town. Um, it's, it's really um, been greatly appreciated thank by you. the community. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've worked with uh, Rich on the planning board for five years, and I worked with Rich on the warrant committee before that. So, Rich, I don't know. We're not going to be seeing each other. Uh, now. How many years? Just around town. Find a way. Yes. Yeah. All the East Milton. I'll be still. I'm not going that far. We we want to hear from you. So no, that's yeah, great. I just want to echo. Um, thank you. Thank, yeah. you um, thank you, Rich, and it's been a pleasure working with you all these years. The same here. No, it was. It's been a good ride. Um, you know, I, I said to Brian Walsh not long ago. Thank you for allowing me to serve on the Warren Committee, which gave you know I just wanted to give back a little. I thought I was going to coach Little League or something, and wound up on the Warren Committee for six years, and then humbled by running for office. I know all of you have done it, and it's pretty humbling to ask people for support, and pretty exciting for when they do. And so it's been yeah, it's been a great five years. Um, not going far. I'm sure I'm going to be watching. <laughs> yeah. Well, why you to uh, come and join us anytime? Well, I think they, and, and just I want to compliment <clears throat> too on the years of service, because to do the number of years you did on the Warren Committee and the Planning Board is a tremendous commitment, and you give up a lot of your personal time. You all know that, and uh, um, I, I, the residents of the town should be grateful for what you did for all those years. So I appreciate it. As I appreciate it. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, my son, my wife reminds me that uh, my son was one, and he just turned 13 yesterday. <laughs> so it's been a little while, That's but I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm actually sad to leave, but, you know, who knows right. what later on will bring. Great. Well, good luck. Thank you. Terrific. Okay, thank you. All right. So at this ta time, um, I would now like to open the public hearing for 440 Granite Avenue site plan approval. And with a motion to defer um, till 7.30, could I have a motion to defer? So moved. To move. To, okay, second. second. All right, roll call. Rich? 
Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Myself? Yes. Sean? Yes. Maggie? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you for allowing us to do that. And now at this time, I will, um, I would like to open the public hearing 705 zoning article for town meeting, the zoning recodification, um, and invite Sue Galvin to speak. Hey everybody, I apologize um, for disrupting the schedule. Um, I have a, another engagement. Um, and I would be driving as, as uh, the meeting's going on. So I really do appreciate your time. Um, I just have a few words to talk about for the zoning, um, specifically for the um, article that will be presented at town meeting. So back in October of 2017, special town meeting, um, under Article 8, town meeting authorized myself, the town clerk, to make up-to-date, accurate index print and digital copies of the town's general bylaws. Um, the town, at that point, um, I engaged with the planning department, um, the services of general code, which is a firm that specializes in the digitization of bylaws. And um, they were going to reorganize the town's bylaws, both the general and zoning. Um, in September of 2017, we signed a contract. Um, I provided general code with PDFs of the town's original bylaws. Um, the context of those bylaws was keyed into Word. Two separate word processors keyed the context into Word. It's called a double processing system. Um, the, what double processing means is those keys um, or those documents were compared and any discrepancies between the two documents were corrected and um, refer by referring to the orig original documentation to ensure that the corrections matched the original text. Um, the Word documents were then converted into an XML format and entered into General Code's publishing system. Um, the conversion does not change or do anything with the context of the text. It only placed tags on chapters, articles, sections, and subsections so that the system could be properly organized and the output of the context. The context was not edited to correct any spelling or grammatical errors or missing, unclear or duplicative text. Um, so the general bylaws that are in draft form no longer match what we had originally seen. So it's been renumbered and reorganized into chapters and articles. Um, within those chapters, subsections are designated according to general codes standard organizational system. Um, they did impose some text style changes, but they don't affect the context of the bylaws. So for example, town has been consistently capitalized when we're referring to the town of Milton. Um, numbers are cited so that the numbers one through nine are written out and 10 and above Fractions, decimals, and dollar amounts appear in a numerical format. Um, 
photo like I have, um, but I'm more than willing to answer any questions. <laughs> yes, um, so I just uh, think it would be helpful if you could um, uh, maybe backtrack and for those who might be watching and those who aren't familiar with the beginning of this process, um, <coughs> what your responsibility is in terms of um, certification of the zoning bylaws? Sure. So um, when I became elected back in um, 2012, uh, the bylaws for both the zoning and the um, general, the zoning bylaws hadn't been the articles that had been accepted at town meeting hadn't been incorporated into the written bylaws. Um, since 2010. Um, at that point, because many hands, other than just the town clerk's office, had had touched those documents, um, hard to certify that it was accurate and correct and to add more to it, I didn't feel comfortable saying that I could certify it. I also had heard about general code, was very interested in the codification process because I feel that it would enhance and allow the, the town's bylaws to be more viewable for the public at large. It's a searchable format. Um, however, I wasn't able to get funding um, and it took several years. And in 2017, um, I came before the planning board, and I, I believe Cheryl, you were a member at that time. I was, I, I and um, I spoke to to you folks about um, the condition of the the bylaws, which everybody was in agreement were and still are, in very unuser friendly format. You also were familiar with the um, general code um, formatting system. And the planning board provided the funding out of their budget for us to contract with General Code. Um, greatly appreciated then, still appreciate it now because without that funding, it probably would not have happened. Unfortunately, at that time, I thought that it would be um, full steam ahead and that we would have had the bylaws up and ready to go by 2018 or 19 at the latest. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, and they, the um, bylaws were converted by general code in a, in a proper time frame. We looked at them. We had a um, committee, a working group committee reviewing them. General Code provides a document for us to review and coincide. Um, that process began. Unfortunately, it, it COVID hit, um, and the process somehow was um, waylaid. However, the zonings were continued to be tackled, um, and. We did a comparison, so the zoning general code did do the um, zoning with the corrections 
um, that the general bylaw review committee had proposed. Um, former member Alex Whiteside did a phenomenal job. He worked very diligently to try and um, get the information on there correctly. When we did a comparison between um, what our bylaws look in a red line, um, and Tim, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there were hundreds upon hundreds of red line corrections, very hard for anybody to understand. And we, we revisited it. I believe I came before both yourselves and the uh, select board earlier this last year um, and talked about that and wanted to go back and just input the zoning articles as they were to give us a, a starting base point of how the articles were and have been um, in our zoning laws. And then leave it up to your, your um, astute abilities to review them and make any modifications, changes from that point of the side. That answer your question? Yeah. Might have been a little longer. Yes. No, 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 that was great. And um, I just, this is the first of what we discussed as a two step process, right? So, first is get it documented in a, in a way and in a format that you feel comfortable certifying, since that's your responsibility, right? And then from there, it would, we'd be able to track changes in a way that's necessary for town meeting members to be able to understand what changes could be that was my recollection of that discussion too so uh thank you so appreciate your work on this oh sure thank so, you so i have a, i have a question for you so the what is um general code has taken is from 2010 correct no, not including the following no, all the bylaws year. so our bylaws are comprehensive um, so what they did was they took all the addendums or articles that were passed by town meeting from 2010 on and incorporated them in. So we had the, the, the bylaws that were through 2010 that so, had been certified yes. prior to town meeting. So just so it's clear, the way it works now is you have the certified version, which is right. quite out of date and then anybody who looks to uh, try and uh, either see if a project's in compliance with it or just to understand it before they make an application they might have to ask for every amendment that's gone through town meeting since then and then try and figure out go back and forth and quote themselves and find where the change was made it's so highly unusable and it, it's uh, fraught with error for people I mean even I noticed in the 40b applicants with the attorneys they bring in, their list of variances were had errors in them because of how difficult it is to work with this current zoning. Um, and having something that is searchable online is just the standard. And this company, uh, this is their expertise. So I, I'm really excited to see that this move forward, really. And I'm just, I'm seeing Peter Mullen, just who has arrived. Um, 
Peter, we had to, sorry, Sue Galvin needed to speak early because she has to, she has to be somewhere tonight and leave. So we opened the hearing, but we're going to close it and, and, for, and it will be continued for you to speak this Defer evening. It. Defer it. Yes. So, okay. So thank you very much. We can read that into the record. And, um, at this time we can, um, Sue, so, unless there's anything else that you wanted to add to that. No, um, I, I thank you. And I'm, I am available. If you have any questions after this, um, feel free to reach out to me. I apologize for um, my short notice in saying that I have to leave early. I have intended to be here for the duration of the meeting. Great. Well, thanks. For thank you. you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So I'll make a motion to defer the public hearing for the zoning article for town meeting until after um, the closing of the public hearing uh, for the 440 granted outside plan approval. Three second. All in favor? Maggie? Yes. Sean? Yes. Rich? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Myself? Yes. Okay, great. So now I would like to reopen um, and invite the members from 440 Granite have site plan approval <clears throat> continued from March 30th. Welcome. Welcome. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. A beautiful day. Yes. Sorry. Summer. Yes. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you want to say something or shall I? No, I'd like you go ahead and begin. Basically, basically, we don't have a presentation for tonight. Um, We gave a presentation last week, and the charge to me was draft. A decision. Yeah. So thank you for all your work on that. Yeah. yeah, I hope you've seen it. Yes. Um, so I'm really just here to hear if there are questions or comments about that. Um, or of course, it's a public hearing, right. so whatever, however you want to handle it. But we didn't prepare anything additional because okay. we don't want to change anything at this point. I drafted uh, a decision for you. Right. Tim, do you want to pull up? Um, can you put up on the screen the? Um, the draft that Marion's provided? Yeah, just give me half a second, I'll do Sure, yeah. And while we're doing that, um, we can begin by the members' comments, and uh, thank you again for all your work on that. That was that was greatly helpful. So um, if we're going to go to the decision, we could consider closing the public hearing and then we're going to deliberations. But that you might want to ask one if there's one before we close it, if there's any public comment that we should consider before we close yes. it. Yes, and any comments. Yep. I mean, unless. I mean, we can do, we can continue to, right, to discuss it. But the public hearing, we typically will keep open to accept new information mm -hmm. from the applicant, which now we don't have. They don't have. They don't have for us. Great. And any public comment. Yes. So is there anyone um, from the public? Then we will open it up. Who would like to comment on the 440 Granite Avenue? Um, either on Zoom or here in the public. So just to clarify, so we can um, ask okay. questions and, and get answers um, from them, they're st the, they're still part of the discussion process. No, so after we oh. close it, um, we can 
if you want, I think we so want to talk about content uh, like uh, in in here, then we would wait. Um, but if we think that we want to make changes to this, I think Marion right after we would uh, keep the public hearing open to discuss the decision. If you have, if we have questions for you. Yeah, then we should yeah. keep it open. And, yeah. Oh, and I only asked that because I did send over, I sent yeah. to Tim, you know, a list of my comments. So I wasn't sure if that they need to respond during open session to my comments or if it, they can respond once it's closed. And we should do it while it's open. Okay. And then deliberate. So okay. Tim, um, Tim's pulled it up. Okay, great. But did the questions, um, so, did anybody, was anybody? Um, so I did have a question, something that I was looking, but I'd like the others to go first. Um, did you confirm there's nobody in the public? Yeah, I didn't, Julia, you're not seeing anybody, right? And there's no one here. I don't see anybody. Or Tim, okay. no. There's a bunch of attendees, but there's no okay. hands up. Okay. okay, thank you. We'll keep an eye on it if there is, so. Um, go, Sean? No. Marion, uh, if, if you could, uh, part of your submission is is an updated uh, Feingold Alexander presentation dated 4-7. Could you briefly tell us what changed? Yes, and I'll, I'll ask my companions to correct me if I'm leaving anything out. They may know even better than me, but um, let's see now, 4-7. Um, okay, um, we, we provided specific notes and I can always pull it up here. showed an example of um, granite that was going to be facing the front door. Mm -hmm. I even had trouble finding that myself, actually, but I'm hoping that you saw it. Um, it should be, it, it, it is to be in that final 4-7 plan because we discussed it and we had agreed that we would be doing that. Um, <laughs> I'm just writing a blank here. So. It's yeah. the, it's the, so at the front entry, there's the granite that's facing uh, granite. And then, so that's in the renderings, and you can see that there. We actually showed, um, I, I don't know what it's called, the tree fencing, you know, that is what uh, yep. Mary was suggesting. Yeah. It's on three sides of the tree and not on the parking uh, curbside. That, those were the big things. And the tree type. The tree, the tree types. types, we did see that. That was yes, great. We did change the tree types to the to some of some suggestions or examples yes. that you had provided and that Matthew Field had provided. Um, and I did include language saying subject to approval of the Shade Tree Advisory Committee, that's the town's procedure. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily expecting that they're going to disagree with your recommendation, but I just put that in as kind of a, a backup because they do have that right at least to guide the choice of street trees. And I we, you yeah, know consulted yeah. originally, so I thought that I should add that. And I did see that you changed the trees that were um, on the citizens bank side to have them to, which really looks much nicer that you don't have that big, large wall without any greenery. So the, that the trees were moved. Um, there's, a, there's a row all the way along. There's a row, yeah, row all it. the way along, yeah. which yeah. will look much, much nicer. Um, I didn't see, and maybe from the renderings, um, I know you talked about doing more of an opaque 
um, class. Yes, I put it in the decision because I don't know how you can really see. That's what, okay. That's what, I didn't see it on there, but and, I saw it in the decision. And actually, so. let's make sure the language is in there because there's a lot of little conditions, and I just want to make sure that I did put that in. But that's I what intended to. Yeah, so. we'll scroll through and double check because yes. I I don't know that I saw that. Well, so maybe yeah. I'll pull it up while you. Um, I, is that no it? In the plan? Do you think there's a note or not? I don't think so. And it's hard to show it on the, in the, in the um, renderings. Right. But I don't know if I remember seeing it yeah. in the draft. So I, yeah. while we're talking, or I'm going to look now. So okay. <laughs> just keep asking questions. Great. I'll, I'll deal with them Sean, did you have? I just had one other comment. Um, in that same area, Marion, that you're referring to on the Citizens Bank side, yeah. there's a there's a walkway. It looks like there's a walkway from a pair of double doors, and and from everything that I can see, it's the only walkway that's identified as as I think it's identified as bituminous concrete, basically pavement. Um, would that would that actually be that, or would it be would it be concrete, much like the rest of the walkways around the building? Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah. yeah, we can have a concrete. I think we were shooting for a pervious pavement. Oh, yeah. It's not referred to that way on the plan, but if that was, was that your intent to try to use the terminus so it could be pervious? Yes. I see. Yeah. What we've tried to do, and this was really the town engineer's sure. recommendation, is that wherever there's pavement exposed to the sky, yeah. that it be pervious pavement, so oh. the entrances to the driveways, to the I understand it. parking, and I think we just didn't pay. Well, it does say at various places that it'll be pervious pavement, but it doesn't. there's no specific reference to that. Okay. I can tell you that um, it will be pervious pavement. Okay. I think it's a requirement. It's required. Engineering department. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. That's, I, I have no further questions. That was it. I'm just looking for the. I have to do have some minor um, comments, but if Maggie has yeah, other questions. Yeah, you can go first. Um, the, I would actually like the decision, the, site, the draft decision pulled back up, if we may, on the screen. Okay, so is this property address 400 granted over 440? <laughs> you want to get that right, man. Yeah, <laughs> that would. So that's just. So it's one of those fundamental so things. If you don't, that shows you're reading it. Thank yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yes, yeah. that's a correction. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, I, I'm the one who goes through our meeting minutes, right? And I look for all sorts of things. So I look at this too. Um, yes. Then I'm just going to go through under the overview. Um, it says two garages in that paragraph. Is it? You can read it in two entrances. So, but it so it says two garages though. So should it, should we modify that? Two garage entrances. Okay, that makes more sense. Where which paragraph is the first paragraph, first paragraph under overview? Oh, oh, just describing the project. Well, I don't know why it isn't two garages. It's two entrances. I wouldn't call it two yeah. garages necessarily, but. I don't know. <laughs> Well, either way is is fine. Whatever you want me to say. The spaces are separated. Okay. If you want to keep it, I just thought it just sounded to me like I know it's, it's almost as if one was standing to be used for a different purpose. You know, yeah. like a different project almost. But they are separated. Yeah. I mean, it's 
The reason I wrote it this way is because the garages are not connected. Right. right. Connected. Okay. You can't walk from underground from one to the other one. Okay. That makes sense. That's fine. Like you can keep it that way then. Exactly. Yes. You could take the elevator. Yes. So they are connected. So I, I don't know. Maybe it should be two entrances. Yeah. Two entrances. What do you want me to do? Either two garage entrances. Is that more accurate? They are sort of connected, but not by car. Right. Um, I just think. It's two entrances, really. It's not yeah. two garages. Okay. It is one building with different uses. But, uh, yeah. It's, it's minor. Yeah. Um, throughout, you say that the plans and documents are on file with the planning board. Is it really with the board or is it with the planning department? I don't know how the board. I've always used the language on file with the planning board, but it could be either. It's really your preference, whatever the planning board would like me to say. Just as down the road, if someone, you know, receives a copy of this. Um, it seems as if they would want to know to go to the planning department to see the documents. It just seems clear. Mm -hmm. You'd rather it said planning department. That would be my preference. Is that a, uh, just a Cheryl, yeah. Cheryl, most of our decisions say they're on file with the planning board. All of the planning board's records are. Okay. All right. Then that's fine. We kind of administer them, but you know, they're, they're your records. Okay. That's fine then. All right. So then on page four, uh, it's just a typo in the last sentence in the 1950s, I think you mean to say. <laughs> Yes. Okay. You Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. These are so minor, Marion, because I think it's a well-written um, decision, and it covers everything. So I, I don't. That's why I said I only have minor comments on it. Um, on page eight, um, where the subparagraph so E, the second paragraph there. Mm -hmm. um, where we, we're taking note of comments. I, I believe that um, it says that requested by the Neighborhood Association. I think you could either say the East Milton Neighborhood Association or members of that association, right? Just to be a little more specific. Um, yeah, but it should say East Milton, well, how about members of the East Milton Neighborhood Association? Because there isn't really a formally elected. Not a formal vote, I, I don't I, think. I don't think. Yeah. Okay. And then on page nine, um, paragraph H, um, at the very end of the second to last sentence, it says that um, the, the design was modified uh, according to suggestions and recommendations from the public. Now, I would suggest that you put from the board and public. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. okay. Let me just take okay. that. Okay. Uh oh, yeah, I think I actually intended to say that, but I didn't. Public and the board. Cheryl, can you, can you repeat what you want that to say? I'm just adding, before the word public, just put board and public. The board and are the two words being added. Then on page 10, um, at the very top, there's a, it's, you make a comparison to other condominium developments in Milton, and you say Quizzer Brook. I was wondering if we're better off saying 36 Central. 
as the comparison because it's a mixed use building. It's perfectly all right with me. I think the planning board should say what that is. I think Quisset Brook, because I have actually documented the number of um, children at Quisset Brook. I see. And um, whatever. It, it's not an age restricted development, but almost everybody who was at Quisset Brook is over 55. As you know, we have street residents. Sorry, so I happen to have done it for that, but um, if you feel that that's a uh, valid, yeah. I would say thirty six percent. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I think, think they're the very business district. It's mixed use. I think it's more comparable project. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so tell me again where that is. It's, it's top uh, of ten, page ten, right, the first yeah. paragraph. First paragraph. Okay. And then there's just a typo there too. Um, oh, I see. Um, yeah. Okay, thirty six cent. At the very end of that last sentence, a typo where after the word residential, a building, they need a space after a. And then on page 11, uh, under the decision conditions number four, uh, you mentioned the town's affordable housing index. Is that correct or is it subsidized housing inventory? I'm not quite sure. We'll change that to subsidized housing. Sure. S H I. Yeah. Okay. And then on number seven on the tr the street trees, it mentions the grades, but it doesn't mention the protection. I just wondered if we want to add the protection that you put. You said you put on the drawings. Yes. If you just want to add that here as well. Isn't that the tree grade? No, the grade is horizontal. So it's a little yeah. bit. It's a, uh, it's a tree fencing. Yeah. Or tree guard. Guard. Tree guard. Tree guard is the better yeah. word. Guard instead of grate. Oh, tree guard. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. Open towards the street. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not really great. Yeah. And then on page 12. Number 10, it says there's no signs proposed. But I thought there was a sign for parking for those commercial spaces that are that flip to residential in the evening. Is there they're not a sign proposed for us? We don't, I don't believe there's one on the plan. Yeah. And um, we have discussed it, and it's obvious that there needs to be signage, that there have to be signs there. <laughs> Um, if it's on the edge of the street, then the town needs to approve it. If it's a safety sign, you know, within the development, then it can just be put up. But it, we did think there would be a number of different signs. Um, there'd be some kind of entrance sign, probably to the right of the we thought, because that has to go to the sign review committee. Um, certain signs you could have by right, but we thought that maybe we just prepare all of the signs for review at that point, make sure that public works and police and fire had looked at them. Yeah. And even though the sign review committee doesn't have to approve all of those, that it made sense to do them all together so that they would be consistent in appearance. So rather than getting into the details of what a sign should look like before you with this hearing, we thought it might be better to carry it all through sign. And, and I like that process. Michael so. said that he signage would be consistent across the building, which I think is a great idea that it looks clean and everything's uniform. So I guess um, the language is fine then. On number 17, I just wondered if we needed to define what food service business means. Does that mean, like, if somebody had a coffee shop without a food service business, 
uh, I even think that it, this is just my concept, I thought it was grocery stores and restaurant businesses, you know, coffee shop probably is included as not happening here. We did have some comments, we had a lot of different comments on possible uses for that commercial space in the course of these two applications. And I know some board members said that maybe I'd like there to be a coffee shop there, you know. So um, we've offered that as a restriction. If you want it, if you want me to say grocery store or food service business, that's more comprehensive. I thought what we had talked about was restaurants. And you could just say restaurants if you want it, because it's pretty clear that that would introduce a lot more congestion. Yeah. Right, I think rest. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it a sit-down restaurant or like a sub shop? If it's a sub shop, could that go in? The food service right now, I would think, it's, is pretty limiting. So that's why that's I think right. it's more limiting than what we had talked about yeah. in the hearing. So I just wanted to make sure that maybe change it to restaurants. Then that's right. that allows a little more flexibility for you if you're if you have a frozen yogurt or you know something. Yeah. Like okay. Yeah. But like if there's like Milton House of Peace Pizza went out of business, what if it's a pizza shop with, you know, a few chairs? Uh, it's a lot different than a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't want to limit what can go in there. I'm sorry. I wouldn't want to limit what could go in there. Um, however, I would want to limit. Um, I would want to say that there are no chain stores could go in there. Mm -hmm. No chain stores at all. Yeah. That's a tough one. I don't know how you legally can do that. Um, I'm, I, I'm completely yeah. in sympathy with your intentions. Yeah. Um, but I can't. Like, what consider the no. chain if you're like with a Starbucks? Yeah, I know. So, Anchor. I mean, yeah. you have a flat I know. black, which is a locally owned business, yeah. but they have more than one location instead of chain. Yeah. So that, that's. Or independent. Independent. Independent, no. We could, I don't know, maybe it can take preference if you can't make it a mandate, right? So, I'm just in terms of the law. I don't know the law. Yeah, I don't. I'm hesitant about it because I don't yeah. want to have somebody. Why don't we just change the word to restaurants? Yeah, we'll, we'll change it to restaurants. We hear what you're saying, and, and mostly I think everybody feels the same way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it turns out, though, that there might be a business that would have several different locations that would technically be defined as a chain, yeah. but it is still local and unique. So the last comment I'm just going to make is, is just to thank you, um, uh, Marion, and just point out that the reason I think it's so well done is that it includes the criteria, so the site plan approval criteria, and then it goes to the existing conditions, the proposal itself, the considerations that we had, the discussions we had, so that's the findings and conclusions particular to the proposal, and then the conditions. So it's a very clear, orderly, um, and so I just think it's a good example also for us as we think about site plan approval, um, pro sort of our processes and procedures, you know, sort of like a, a good template of how to organize it and include the information. Before we leave the topic that you mentioned, and, and I, I agree with you too, thank you for that, but what are we saying? Restaurant, is that, the, is that one of the things we want? We don't want an unoccupied space. That's not good for the developer. It's not good for the community. Mm -hmm. So 
we want to make sure that we don't make this too difficult, right, to occupy. Yeah, the restaurant is just something that was, I remember clearly throughout the two years of the discussion because it generates such a different level of traffic and mm. parking situation that loading and that's, that's why we, I thought what we had said and they had agreed to was no restaurant. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm just yeah. wondering how do we define restaurant? What defines a restaurant? Is it, is, it, is it a facility that has a kitchen? Is it a facility that would require a grease trap? What, what's the definition of restaurant so we, so we all leave here tonight with a common understanding? We're no more than, um, yeah. you know, 10 seats. Or no... Um, what's, what's the size of the space? What's the size of the space? I have one comment hmm. as a caution. Of course, you know we're going to the Board of Appeals next. And we know that we are requesting a variance for the amount of commercial off-street parking that we're providing. We have nine spaces. We have almost 4,000 square feet of commercial space, which the planning board supports. And I'm hoping that you will communicate that to the Board of Appeals. We will. But you need to think about appropriate but not too restrictive definitions of what can go into this commercial space because we're asking for relief from the off-street parking requirement, which is for every 250 square feet, we need a parking space. So when we introduced this application a long time ago, we said, well, you know, well, we want businesses that, you know, won't attract too much uh, vehicular traffic. And so we won't have restaurants. We're going to say we will commit to the idea that there won't be restaurants because, first of all, you have to have a special determination of adequacy of parking for a restaurant anyway. And also because the experience has been that restaurants do create a fair amount of parking demand and sometimes spilling over into a neighborhood. Um, so that's a just, I, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to kill a good thing by being too broad here in what we're asking for. At the same time, I completely recognize in what you're saying, which is we don't want to make it impossible to use this space. It needs to be vibrant and useful and and provide what Milton residents might enjoy, especially residents who live nearby and the building and are around in the square. So I still think a restaurant restriction, if you maybe perhaps you want to say sit down restaurants. Would that just a comment, I think, and this was, I know this was a topic that um, abutters really cared about, if I am not mistaken. Um, the problem that East Milton has right now is there's a lot of restaurants, there's a lot of small restaurants, and no matter how big they are, they all have Uber right now. I have lived in East Milton a lot of years. I've never seen so much double parking that I do today. Mm -hmm. um, it's constant. There's like, it's kind of crazy. When you watch Uber come up and folks do U-turns in the middle of the square, things like that, this spot, we all talked about how it's going to be tough parking. Tough parking could be an issue. If we put food service here, I think of any kind, it's going to cause a lot more traffic on Mechanic Street, a lot more idling cars just running in, you know what I'm saying? And those are usually dangerous situations when people are coming in and out pretty fast. Or what I'm seeing now on Church Street is uh, for Novara, lots of people going up a one-way. It's every day. One-way mm -hmm. traffic. People are coming down a one-way street. Um, I almost got hit in the middle of the street by somebody taking coming down the one-way street. So I just caution this conversation because I know the neighbors really cared about this. And I do agree with you about restrictions, but um, this was a big topic. So, Rich, my recollection on the restaurants, do you have a different recollection, like, in terms of whether it could be, like, a little coffee shop, too? 
I, again, I, I, so I'm not in a butter here, yeah. and so my my thought was I think that came up, and it was okay. kind of like a, we don't like we don't want those things right here because it's going to cause a lot of like stopping traffic. There's a lot of traffic right there, right? Coming off the highway is always backed up. Now imagine people stopping to get a quick coffee or this and that. I mean, it sounds like a wonderful thing, right? I mean, I might want to walk there and grab a coffee, but I'm not in a butter. We had a lot of comments about from neighbors, immediate neighbors, who were concerned about restaurants, about bringing in a restaurant, mm -hmm. without getting into you know how many seats it would have or anything else. I'm just reporting that, and I want I think we should remember it. Um, I guess the best I could say is you know you put conditions in a permit decision. Yep. It's always possible to come back and meet with the planning board in a public hearing and say for the following Certain reasons, maybe this should be changed. <laughs> I, I like that idea, and again, like to my point, I guess what I was saying is sometimes the traffic, I guess what I was saying is sometimes worse when you have that little shop, because then there's a ton of in and out traffic constant. Um, so you, you prefer to leave the, the food service? I prefer to keep it more restrictive, and I liked what Marion said, um, you know, if they do find that they need to like come back for a change, well, the ice cream smith wants to move to yeah right which we would all love <laughs> yep and i think that at that point you're probably in a better place because the building's built people yeah, you know, know it know they feel it they know what's you know maybe it's they love it and they want to see something there i don't know it might be that it's a particular tenant and then you can get a little bit more information about their operations at that time right so i guess what you could do when you're thinking about marketing the space is you know that it's not a restaurant but maybe some other you know small scale type thing might be acceptable and, and then maybe the neighbors would want to see what the operation is see if they'd support it right so that would be my suggestion. You're yeah. leaving it food service. Food service, yeah. Food service business. But what I was suggesting, following up on what Rich said, is that as you go to market it, you're not going to market it for a restaurant for sure. Sure. But if you had somebody come up who had a low impact kind of small food service operation, maybe that would be something that would be okay. You talk with the neighbors and you can come back and amend the yeah. decision, right? That's what you're saying? Yeah, about? I mean, on the off chain, like I was in Quincy Center the other day and there's a little chocolate candy store I was walking by. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe there's tons of traffic there, but I can't imagine there's lots of in and out traffic in that store, right? Maybe that's okay, I don't know. Like there's, let's just say cake pops you mentioned. I right, think right. Like cake pops down in Lower Mills. Right. It's food, it's food, but I can't imagine anybody would consider it generates the same kind of traffic as a restaurant does next door or a bar right. or a pub or something, right? Right. So that's why I just thought food service was yeah, makes know, sense. kind of really extensive, but. Yeah. So that's kind of like one of my problems is, um, because we were not, um, well, me, I'll speak for myself, I was not part of the discussion um, prior to that. And as I said our, at our last meeting, um, you know, this is our only fifth meeting on this. And I do think it's a little bit unfair that um, we're putting restrictions or um, having conversations about um, discussions that were had with the neighbors before I got on the board. Um, so that's my overall problem that I'm having with this, that I do feel like for me, it's being rushed. Um, and I 
I don't know what the neighbors say because in these you know, four meetings leading up to this, no one has really said anything. So for me, that's my problem. And I think it's a little bit unfortunate because um, I don't know the right things to, to say. There was always a sub shop where Milton House of Pizza was. It was CJ's sh sub shop forever. And, um, you know, like I always go to the sub shops. My guys always go to the sub shops. And I would think that it would be nice to have a sandwich shop there. And I think all the kids on their bikes would um, bike around and, um, you know, come down from Cunningham and Collicott. And, and I think um, not having a food service there um, might not be a great thing. I'll just say one other thing to chime in there, Maggie, is that it is the business district, mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily, we do have some restrictions in the business districts on what kinds of businesses, but not too many, like non-sexually oriented business, not a marijuana shop, things like that, right? But otherwise, restaurants, the reason they're singled out is because the parking is handled differently, right? And so that was one of the reasons I thought that we had singled out restaurants before. One of, one of the things I would add, though, too, like, I, so I, 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 I can appreciate where you're coming from. The way I would look at it for myself is if, um, if the developer really wanted to go in that direction and was saying that's what they want and the neighbors are saying no, I think we'd need to dive really far deeper and figure that out. But in this case, if I'm not, I mean, the developers are writing it, they're seemingly okay with it. And so they think, and I'm not speaking for you, but since you wrote it, I'm assuming you think you can get tenants. Um, there you go. And so I'm not going to push back on like them because they're saying that they want it this way. And they've agreed maybe with somebody that, that said that. So, But that's why I am suggesting that if this becomes an issue, they should come back. And I would you know, just point out to one other issue. And maybe you've reached the point where you're pretty much you know, going to say there's a restriction law. When you have mixed use, it's often it does often occur that there's a restaurant on the first floor there's one on Wharf Street, and but it's a, it can be a big issue because restaurants have to emit uh, they have to uh, exhaust odors they have grease traps, um, and that can be kind of noxious to people who are living right above it. So it's another reason why you should think carefully about whether or not you're going to have a restaurant on the first floor where you have a pretty tight parking situation and heavy traffic. That's the other I'm a block and a half from the square, and I can smell who needs to change their traps <laughs> on any given month. And I can tell you which restaurant it is, usually, because you can smell it two blocks away. Um, I will also say that, and this is a completely other subject, but for the planning board to know as you move forward, that we didn't, like CJ's, I loved those restaurants. There was also um, Seraphine's this way. There was all these great restaurants, but there were that was it. There was no Navarra, and there was no um, Abbey Park. There was no Bible and other things. And I'm not blaming any of these places, but if you live two blocks in the perimeter of the square, we now see lots of rats in our neighborhood running down the street during the daytime, which is upsetting. And so comes restaurants, comes trash, comes food. You get more rodents. You get things like that. And to be honest with you, I think we've 
we've got a lot in the square for restaurants. And so um, that's the, and I'm a little biased in that because I see it every day. <laughs> I, I would just offer one more, I guess, comment for the opportunity to create some flexibility for how the space could be used. If we, if we said that it shall not be leased to a food surface business that requires either a grease trap uh, or an exhaust hood, that would eliminate a lot of restaurant use, but create the opportunity for something to be in this, such as a coffee shop. I understand your comments about parking and so forth. The reality on parking, if it's too difficult to get a coffee at a coffee shop, people just don't go, you know, and that oftentimes will eliminate itself. Uh, but, you know, if you didn't, if you prevented the use of an exhaust hood and you prevented the use of a grease trap, that generally eliminates cooking and, you know, creates an opportunity, you know, for the space to, you know, be utilized maybe for an amenity for the building. Many buildings benefit from having an amenity, you know, at the first floor because it drives tenancy too. So, um, you know, for a number of reasons, I think activating the street level of this building is really important. We want to make sure that it's not empty space. An amenity might be something that's valuable for driving tenancy in the building. And I think if we simply, you know, restrict it from having an exhaust hood uh, and restrict it from a grease trap, you know, you've kind of eliminated a lot of restaurant use that creates the kind of conditions we talked about earlier. So I, I, I offer that to you, Marion, and, and to the board members for consideration. Really it's a good suggestion if the board supports it. Um, and of course, you know, the Board of Appeals can put mm -hmm. conditions on their decisions, you understand. So if they're not comfortable with it, they also can come back and just say nothing, nothing related to food service. Um, but I was thinking about, well, just a lot of different things that I've seen recently in different places, Boston and other towns. I've seen bookstores that have coffee, you know, maybe a few muffins. That's it. But it it, it, it uh, creates, it would be nice to have a bookstore, I don't know if we ever will, but um, it creates a nice atmosphere and, you know, people really enjoy it. It is an amenity, that kind of approach. So whatever you it want is. to do. I would support that. I would it, support the only that. other problem there is, I mean, you can't, like we were talking about before, if you're not going to say chains, but you open the door for that, there's no reason why there couldn't be a, a small Dunkin' Donuts put in there that just has, like you'd see in, in Stop and Shop. There's, there would be nothing to stop that. Um, from my standpoint, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. And... You might be saying, this is what I, I can almost envision what you're going to say here. We almost don't have enough time for me to figure out what else you would have to put in that sentence yeah. so that you'd curb some of the things that could happen. Because I like what you said. Um, so, so because I, like, I just, I don't know what's around that. I almost defer back to this and say, if you, if we want to put something in and you want to get very creative and come up with all these cool ideas that you're talking about, it's usually those are the, the things that happen though. I mean, a lot of those type of little stores in East Bolton Square haven't, didn't survive, you know? So that's why we have, you know, the chains. Um, like Java Joe's was in the square for like, I mean, that's well, gone, Jones. you know? There was a lot of little right. places like that, gone. Um, Look at Newbury Street. I know it's changed a lot. It, yeah, so I don't know why. You know, maybe the chains do better. Maybe there's a different business model. Well, Newbury Street has because the rents are so high. The only ones that <laughs> yeah. can do it. So yeah, I mean, I, I I see where you're going, Sean. I like that. I actually really like that. I don't know. I feel like I'd need a bunch of hours to figure out 
what else, you, what other words you got to put in there to restrict something. So for me, I would say we should go with this and just, I feel like you guys aren't pushing back hard. Well, let's and, come back and, and yeah. come back to you at providing the board of appeals goes along with all of this. Um, if we have something similar to what you were thinking of, um, I mean, I hate to do that. I know how busy the planning board is, but I think something particular like that, yeah. that we're supported by those who are living in the area, um, it would be worth coming. Those usually come through pretty quick, at least in my yeah. time on the board. That I've might gone be the pretty way quick. To, to balance Rich's concerns about the type of place they come in, because then if you came back, you'd have a better idea, because you would have a t potential tenant in mind, right? It, 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 Sorry, and if at some point, like between now and you know, we get going, if you somehow come up with an idea that kind of opens it up again, there's no reason why we couldn't add it. Make in. an amendment. Yeah. And personally, I like donuts, but you know, I don't really think we should have a ton of donuts in front of this building. But that's not. Fair. There's one next door. So. Donuts, and we have one in the square already. Yeah. So. Okay, so we'll keep it as yeah. is for now. That's. Um, Before we leave that page, Marion, yeah. can we go up to number 12? Sure. And, and I just, just a, a slight change in the wording. And mm -hmm. at the end of that, it reads subject to approval of a final plan before construction begins by the town. The town's not going to build this. Yeah. <laughs> so if we just take by the town and take by the town and place that uh, um, final plan before. I'm sorry, approval of the final plan by the town. Oh, I know what I was trying okay. to say. Yeah. Approval of a final plan by, by the, the town. By the town. So if we just change <laughs> yeah, where that is. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And I actually had something similar just along those lines. Um, on E, under E and A, because I feel like we never really got a final letter from the fire department, you know, um, just we want to make sure the construction management plan that that seems like it's still in the works and you're going to be working with the town departments on that as um, as you progress. Um, the way this is written, it says uh, the planning board takes takes note of the fact that the applicant has submitted and submitted and revised a construction management plan as would have been required had this been a special permit process and is continuing to review the plan details with the police, fire, and Department of Public Works and that construction work will not commence until the town approves the construction management plan. I feel like that's very general. Who Who is the town? Who's making that final? The town? Uh, well, the town has a procedure. The town always has to approve a construction management plan. Oh, you're speaking that's of the town's procedure. Who does it actually? It's a combination of the Department of Public Works, the town engineer, the police, and the fire departments. So that's they what all review. In fact, they've all been reviewing the draft. But you're alluding to that. That's what I just yes. wanted so to, to say. That. And can you also, could we say, I think it might be nice to have the planning board have a, just a final, um, subject to a final um, approval of the construction management plan. Just in the event that there's anything that um, we've missed. One thing that I was thinking about in the construction management plan, which we're actually um, seeing with the memory care is there and and also with um, the Goddard School on Central Avenue, the old Husa Club, they've installed uh, video cameras. And I'm thinking just for you on that site, because it is such a busy site, um, it, it would be exposed to you know potential vandalism, mm -hmm. which 
I mean, that fire at the Hoosick Club was absolutely devastating. And, uh, you know, it was close to being ready to open. Um, so I'm not imposing, I'm not saying you have to do that, but I would think that maybe that's something that you might want to consider <laughs> is we putting- would do that anyway, our insurance would require. Okay, great. Um, and then also that um, during loading and unloading that you would provide police detail, that it wouldn't be charged to the town to provide police detail when, if you have heavy equipment or deliveries that is coming definitely in. part of the construction management mm -hmm. plan and it looks like on this site there's going to be a lot of police details and that you, your your company would pick the you would it, yeah at the, in the draft yeah. um construction management plan it's still a draft yeah but it has been updated and more detail has been added yeah and that the fire chief and the police department have reviewed it great chase okay. reviewed it great and then Cheryl had also um, mentioned the dust that you have a um, a way of containing the dust on the site as you're especially during the demolition yes. process. That um, and I think that's the, uh, is that in the plan? Because I didn't see. Okay, I mean I remember seeing yeah. something about that. We may have added more, but okay. um, yes. So and it is an issue, of course. I mean, even yesterday when. It wasn't construction. You could see a lot of dust forming. Right, so. right. So I don't know how, if the rest of the board feels like they need to just have a final look over the final. Well, I guess my only question, and maybe Tim could comment on this, if it refers, if the reference is to the town, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it really allows all of the... Mm -hmm. uh, I guess right. jurisdictions or departments within the town to, to, to be, if we get too specific, might we leave someone out? Right. So, Tim, what, what's the proper language that you see as most beneficial? I, I think it really is a yes or no question as to whether the board itself wants to be a part of that review or approval process. Because, I mean, as, as Marion says, when, you know, when, when, when you say the town, um, you know, we're, we're all kind of looking at this stuff together. I would, you know, I, you know, Mary, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know um, the building commissioner. Um, you know, typically has a role to play in this. He does. Yes. He's another one. So you're probably right that we shouldn't list because it's really everybody you can think of. Right. Um, if I if just want to make sure like no one is left out. Yeah. If you would like to say, uh, let's see, how would we put it? It's difficult when you condition something on coming back to the planning board for the simple reason that the planning board might not meet every, doesn't meet every day. And there, there can't, I mean, it, of course, the planning board should get a copy of the final construction management plan, right. and I can put that. I can say that here. But that would be that would be experts, that would be course, fine for me. That would yeah, be, that they're would, usually the, they, they, those other departments. Exactly. And basically, they have the power over that plan. Okay. So you could say it's great, but they're going to tell you no, it's not great. The fire department still needs to know how wide the road is. Can they turn their traffic? Okay. No, that's. Um, I think it's talking to us makes a lot of sense, and if we have any concerns about it, we can convey those to the building department. Exactly, that's great. Okay. Okay. That was. So, what, what kind of language do you want to change here? Um, in this paragraph. Instructor work will not commence until the town approves the construction manager plan, and the planning board and has the planning been board has been, been has provided with a copy. Provided with a copy. And I did not see anything in here about, about the balconies. I don't mean to. Yeah, so. I, I don't know the proper slipped. place. It slipped out. I, I know about it, and I also know that you yeah. can't see it from the plan. 
So let's just figure out where to put that. Yeah. Um, and I'm surprised actually because I remember thinking about how to put this in. Um, I'm looking at where. I'd say under design. Maybe? How about okay. how about making it nine and then updating all the numbers after that? Eight is the building metric. Okay. Nine is um, how do you want to describe it? Balcony glass. Glass shall be opaque glass. So you've obviously seen that as the architect. Does that is that completely is is furniture not visible through there? You can't. It I guess wouldn't be. It wouldn't. Oh, there'll be some shadows, but you won't see what okay. it is. Okay. So you've seen that. And so, what's the uh, reasoning behind opaque, beside um, as opposed that to a darker? A from the yeah, but as opposed to a darker color. What's opaque to me is more clear. One of the benefits of a glass rail is being able to sit down and see out, out of it. Yeah. So you don't always have to be standing up. If you have, it, if you have something frosted, you're going you're gonna to still get light through it. If it's a solid color, you're not going to get any light through it. So it, it's just it's a trade-off. To be opaque or frosted, I think frosted would be... Um, achieve what you're trying to achieve yeah. and still allow light through it too. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about the building um, where the Milton Nailed Spa is. Those windows are, they're glass windows you can see out, but they're quite dark. You can't really see into the buildings. Um, that's, that's a tint and that's what I'm, I guess I'm envisioning something and it does, it's much, it's easier to see out. So it's, I don't know if it's tinted on just one side, how that works, but, um, you might want to look at that, but, um, I could say balcony glass shall be designed so that neighbors cannot see in onto the door. To be able to see a shadow, I don't, I think yeah. the glory is to see somebody's blue Adirondack chair. Right. Right. So if you have something frosted, I mean, you don't want to restrict being able to see out. That's, that would be our, right. as, for, as an architect, or as someone buying it, you don't want that right. to be able to see out. not do that, because you need to have it tinted or frosted. frosted. I think the concern generally is, uh, you know, you drive by some apartment buildings or condo buildings and you see you see areas like that as storage areas, mm -hmm. bicycles, your beach chairs, you know, anything that's not fitting inside your apartment gets stored. That's really, I think, what one of the bigger concerns is. Uh, how do you police that? I mean, this is kind of an effort to screen it so that all of the neighbors because most of the, the most of the decks face yeah they're all facing the neighbors and and that's that's the concern that we have to make sure that we could say balcony glass should be designed with a tint or frosting i don't think that's the right word so as to shield the view onto the balcony as to shield views onto the balcony that's the best I can do. You know, but that gives you some flexibility in terms of deciding what it should be, finally. Right. Because um, obviously, mind, it's not a rental unit, so there are, it's yeah. a condominium development, so there are restrictions that they can put on the folks. Condo docs, yeah. And you may be able to manage it simply that way. Yes. You know. I was just thinking from a color perspective. I mean, is it going to yeah. be green and red and, you know, just 
or it could be black or consistent gray. Look yes. on the building. Yeah. Yeah. Not purple. All right, I'll just add the word consistent. How about that? With a consistent tint or frosting, if that's the right way to describe it, so as to shield the view onto the balconies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's better because I wasn't too sure myself. Yeah. What you'd end up with with opaque, although I'm thinking sort of milky white, but you know, yeah. I don't know if that's really what it would be. I think a dark gray with what the granite is. Mm -hmm. All right. Good. Mary, are you are you taking down edits as well? Yes. Okay. Defer to you. I'll try to keep track, but, but I can provide an update, and then you could, you're going to compare it to your own notes. Mary, we're going to get it. We're going to plan to vote on this tonight. It's your last meeting, right? Yeah. So if you can just read what you wrote, then Tim okay. can put it in right now. Okay. So nine says balcony glass. Shall be designed. Shall, shall be of consistent design with either a tin or a frosted surface to shield the view onto the balcony. So balcony glass shall be of consistent design with either tinted or frosted surface to shield the view onto the balcony. Onto the balcony. Okay. And that's nine. And then all the numbers after nine have already changed them. Okay. So I have a question. Yeah, on the bottom of page five, the last sentence mm -hmm. where it says um, it's oriented so as to have almost no additional shadow effect. So one of the things I had asked, I think, at the first meeting was, what was the um, percent increase in shadow? It's not a percentage, Maggie, but in the site plan, you'll see that there are pages showing right. the yep. I, yep. Yep. color. So the way that you can see that it's minimal, but there's some shadow effect in December is that you have one color for the existing shadow. Yep. And then you have, I think it's green. For the shadow added by this building. The rest of the year, there isn't any shadow effect, which is interesting to me. And I, it must be because of the, the the location of this building and the orientation mm -hmm. of the building. Um, so most most of the shadow that falls on the neighborhood to the rear is existing shadow. And of course, now that we reduced it by one floor, it, it's somewhat even less than it was. But we didn't, you know, we didn't describe that as a percentage. But you can see it pretty clearly in those diets. I just, I personally just kind of use percentages. Yeah. You know, so to me, percentages make sense because it's a measurable. Um, just saying almost no additional shadow doesn't really. Um, what about saying minimal shadow effect? Because yeah, it's somewhere between maybe oh, almost no. Okay, just guide me again to where you're. What part of the decision you're looking at? Um, the bottom of page five, the very last sentence. Okay, my page numbers are a little different from yours. So what section is it? Oh, very D. Last section D. 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 A. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. I've got it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's change it to minimal additional. It's a, and is oriented to have minimal additional shadow effect. 
Because just again, you know, from this document is what Prondac is going to enforce. So if a neighbor says, oh, there's more shadow, um, you know, I have too much shadow, how is Prondac going to enforce that? So this is an enforcement document. So mechanic, so, and, and is oriented so as to have a minimal additional shadow effect? So I, I, I just don't think that he can enforce that. Is my well, is my it, point? It isn't, it is, it's actually a description of the of the effect of the building. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Mm -hmm. um, you, it's, it's a good thing you did yeah. mm -hmm. before the shadow studies yeah. because we have something to compare to. Yeah. So I suppose you could compare afterwards. Um, but the di this document ref references the diagrams that were in the drawing. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is just a, this is just a reference to what we provided, right. and it's a professionally prepared shadow study according to the proper standards. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually it was pretty expensive to have these studies done. We did a lot of them, um, and so that's the evidence that we're presenting, we presented to the Yeah, so Prondac will be able to look at that, um, all the paperwork. Yes. And I, I also think the way this is written, it's it's describing the orientation of the building, not necessarily speaking to the shadow effect, the way that's written, right? The building is located against Granite Ave and away from the residential lots of Mechanic Street and is oriented so as to have almost no additional shadow effect. I don't think Joe Prondac is gonna go to that to try to, mm -hmm define how much shadow should be there or not. That's my own opinion. Yeah. To talk about what the design intent is, then you could say it's oriented to have, to minimize additional shadow, because then you're getting to intent, intent of the design strategy. So you would say, and it's oriented to minimize additional shadow. So that's just one of the things that I heard from a resident who, who said that. So that's why, you know, mm -hmm. was important to that neighbor. So that's... Um, yeah. Well, it, it is important. It's been an issue um, all throughout, I think. That's but you are right, you know, for that, for the, for the neighbors, though, they will have the study, right? I mean, he'd probably go to the study, I think, to, to support or, right, I think. Do you want me to change this to and is oriented to minimize additional shadow effect? I think that's a better description. Yeah. The, the purpose of it. Yeah, they decide to make a change in the future that all of a sudden disrupts this, maybe they can point back to it. Yes. Okay. I think it answers Maggie's concern because if it's written the way you describe Cheryl, there's 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 no measure. You know, it describes the orientation of the building. I think that's what you were concerned with. Is is somebody going to bring this up and say, Joe, you know, there's a shadow effect, and it says almost no. So yeah, I think I think you're right. It should answer. That's intent. It should. I've designed. Yeah. And the same thing for um, on page six B, um, where it's where it says um, furthermore, the on-ground traffic study by VHB showed sufficient gaps between cars. Um, so, 
I just wasn't sure what the definition of um, sufficient was. I, again, that is based on the actual study that VHB did and reported to the planning board on it. I know there's not a lot of materials that we submitted for this application, but the study um, is the update, the update to the original study and the response to the peer review of the traffic study. VHB then went out and did an on-the-ground observational study and measured during the rush hour and throughout the day what the length of time was, where there were, how, I mean, how much space there was to get in between cars on Granite Ave, or was it, you know, impenetrable or something like that? And their conclusion was that, and they have actual numbers. Yeah. So this that's is how many gaps. Yeah. This is how yeah. long they so were. So I, I didn't give you those numbers. I get all that, but I'm just thinking because I know how it is. Joe's gonna go and pull out this permit if someone complains. It, or, you know, I because okay, I went through it. What you want to make sure is that it's, this is what the report indicates. So maybe the, if the word showed should be indicates or indicated. Because you're then referring mm -hmm. to what yeah. the report is. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. Indicated. Mm -hmm. so this is. Yeah. And again, um, um, the bottom of page six, uh, where it says. Um, you know, be accessed by a secure key card. You know, I don't really think that we care how it gets accessed, you know, and um, like, you know, I know I'm nitpicking, but who's going to monitor the key cards? Well, I say secure key card or similar. Or some, yeah, so. It's of general interest to know that there will be a security system that this parking garage will not be open to the public. That's really the purpose of saying that. Yeah. Um, but I tried to, I didn't want to just say it. I don't know if this would be it yet. So. But it gives an example of what the system could do with people mm -hmm. you with. So I think it makes sense to keep it that way. Yeah. Um, so then on page seven, um, in the top paragraph, um, where it says the on-site parking provided is appropriate for this location in this design and density of commercial and residential space and the parking plan is consistent with conditions throughout East Milton Square Business District, which, you know, that is an accurate statement because it is consistent with conditions. Um, but I also sort of feel like when we are doing um, uh, new development, we're trying to improve on the existing old way that we, we're doing things. I know we've said before with the loading and unloading, and Cheryl has said it's really not fair to ask applicants to um, to, to provide something where other applicants uh, or other existing businesses don't. Um, but I feel like you know we're trying to make improvements and just putting on something new on an on an existing problem. We already know there's an existing problem. And if we're not trying to help solve that existing problem, I'm not sure if we're doing the neighbors, um, you know, good service. And we all know that I think what like 12 parking spots were lost during the um, redesign of East Milton. Um, so, you know, that that's just 
you know, it's just commentary. Um, I just don't think that um, we should always do just what what's, has been accepted in the past. Yes, and I, I get what you're saying. Um, the point here really is that it's difficult, if not impossible. Most of the businesses in East Milton Square don't have any off-street parking. Right. Mm -hmm. This development does have nine spaces designated for commercial use. So it has provided some off-street parking. But the problem, again, is we want more commercial space. Yeah. Like and I'm 100% for so commercial space. I'm and, we, 100%. and we're saying we've provided a parking plan that is adequate. Yeah. In the, well, I, what I'm trying to say here, and I, if the planning board agrees, is that your finding is that the design provided is adequate for the most commercial and residential space. That's kind of an important message going forward mm -hmm. to the Board of Appeals because that's where we have to ask for variance. And, um, and I, I, I understand you by the time. Oh, there is a way to improve parking even more with new development. And absolutely, I think the planning board is going to be looking for that. It's just more interesting to see it's fairly difficult to do. I think one thing we could think about again, if we think about 36 Central as a kind of example of this kind of project in the business district. And um, I don't think that there's been, um, there's no certainly no loading um, bay in that building because first of all, those take up a lot of space. And second of all, if you attract a larger vehicle, if you have that kind of provision on it. And I don't think there's, I'm aware of been a problem with when people move in. It might be an initial moving period, I guess. But then, you know, how many sales are there in condos over time? That's the, really the loading. It's not like a restaurant here, we, we've already said. So we don't have that kind of loading. But we, if you think about like the, what kind of loading you have, it's most likely like the, the biggest use is going to be Amazon and Uber pulling up into those spaces rather than a real uh, vehicle. And so the, we don't have in a lot of places a place for Uber and Amazon to pull up. I do. I, I thought 36 Central um, in their permit it did say that um, that there was space for loading and unloading. And it was only. Um, I don't see how that works with the vehicle backing into the back yeah, of the building. Yeah, because it specifically said that. Because yeah. I, I compared the. Um, yeah, and the UPS I compared the, all the permits. Kind of yeah. Like I compared the permits for 36 yeah. Central Ave, um, Bents, um, and um, and they have they all have off off street. Ability for, for for loading and unloading, and um, and so except I for think, East and Mills, and, and Mills yes, um, so I was just going by, you know, what has already been approved um, in towns, you know, what the standards are, and I think thirty six Central Ave had fewer units. It was a bigger lot by like two thousand square feet, I believe. It was a bigger lot had f had fewer. Um, uh, units, slightly smaller commercial space, and I think more parking. Um, and so that's the only, you know, Mrs. McGetrick yeah. always does such a great job writing things, but it, this is a little bit different from the other permits that the town has written in the past. Mm -hmm. So I went through and I was comparing them to see what have we done before. And I had asked, you know, 
Tim to kind of help me through it, but he um, said they don't really have anything designed at this point in time. Um, so it's just a little bit different. This, this site plan approval document is just different than what we you know, have yeah. done in the past. And again, I'm just you know, yeah. walking through myself through the whole process. Yeah, I mentioned earlier I thought it was a good template. I, I did take the workshop about on-site plan approval and writing defensible decisions. Yeah. And they suggest that we have templates with attorneys that conduct the workshop for the Citizen Planning Training Collaborative. And so I do think it would be helpful to have some templates that so that they are consistent across time and across who writes them. Mm -hmm. um, the, what I found over time is um, sometimes board members have written them, sometimes applicants' attorneys have written them, and it, it might mean, and sometimes staff have written them. And so um, it, depending upon the one that they use as their guide, it could be a different format. So it, it would be useful to have templates, special permit different than site plan approval, different than subdivision, et cetera. Uh, and that way we can be organized about even how we, we make the decision. Because I think we do that for our restaurants. I think we do look at across the whole town um, as to how many parking spaces are needed per, um, per, per seat. Right. Um, and so we do want to treat every type of business the same way because we want to give everybody the opportunity um you yeah, know the, problem, but the interesting thing with our restaurants is we allow like the practice to be satisfied in many different ways because we we don't have the, the ability i looked at the can I, can I make a point? I think we should come back to the, I think we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I just want to make one comment yeah. though. Um, this, this would be tougher conversation, I think. I would have not to bring up the restaurants again, but if this was a restaurant or food service, you'd be getting a lot of deliveries every single day. Oh, absolutely. That would cause more problems and you would probably need something because yeah. those are bigger trucks. Great. Yeah. Okay, anything else, Maggie? Because we do, it's it's uh, past 8.30 and um, we've got two more public hearings to go, so MBTA. Um, for the trees, um, you don't have a tree height. You just have a caliper size. Usually it's done by, it's in the way these decisions, all of the ones that I've looked at, including the Conservation Commission, they use caliper, which yep. is, yep. I, I mean, you know more about that trees. I but it, it's but it, you, yeah. you can buy them both. You buy it by caliper and height. So I think because the um, um, height of the building is 45 feet, I think we need a tree standard, which I'm supposed to be working on, um, is really, it should be a percentage of the overall height of the building. Um, but that's the full growth of the tree. No, horn beams can get taller. Um, I, mean, I thought 8 to 10 feet. Right? I, yeah. I had suggested 8 to 10 so feet. I, you know, I, I, again, I've said this before at the Goddard School. Yeah. Any homeowner can come on and buy an 8 to 10 foot tree. I don't think that's a, a substantial enough tree. Um, I, you know, I think a 15 foot tree is... Um, can you find this one? Oh, page, page 11. Okay. But that's what the town's putting in. They're putting in smaller trees, smaller. yes. So you're yeah. asking the developer to do Yeah. So 8 to so 10 foot, do you want us to add 8 to 10 foot? I mean, I would like bigger. Do they survive well that way? I mean, they I do. know sometimes people they argue do. with me that it's, they survive better if they're planting when they're a little smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing sometimes, you know, but it does take them a while to grow, yeah. but we don't want them to die either. So 
Yeah. What do you think? Most people do not buy an eight to 10 foot. The fence height is six feet. Um, most residential clients want trees that are above a six foot fence. And if you double a six foot fence, that's automatically 12 feet. I don't think it's uncommon. So is the, the, the Shade Tree Advisory Committee have a, a standard or uh, for this? They plan to yeah, they plant a much um, a much smaller and um, and I I don't know if they're going to be revisiting them, but but especially in an area where there's so much wind, you can see the trees actually bend over like they they're they're very um, they don't long does it take to grow from so what she's saying is have something a, a little bit more substantial from a six so to twelve I would say a ten <laughs> the best to twelve time foot to plant tree, a tree was twenty years ago okay. the best uh, next best time is okay. there okay. Maggie what about a ten three three inches a year is probably a, gr a gross oh, wow. the, the shade tree advisor I get it. Yeah. isn't subject to their approval correct yeah um, I mean I would recommend eight to ten foot mm. that's pretty substantial. Mm -hmm. I've been through these discussions many mm -hmm. times and, and usually people want to plant them smaller. I know because they're cheaper. They're, they're, yeah, but not this, they're actually not that much cheaper. The, 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 it takes a tree the first five or 10 years to get to the, the, the six right. to eight foot. It's the next is much faster growing. So that's why the expense is, is, in a, is actually in a smaller tree. So what do you want to do? I mean, is eight to 10 feet satisfactory to the board? That's added language. Um, you really want to go for the higher. I, 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 I feel like if we said 10 feet, that clears the first, that's a first floor. Um, the height is a 10 foot. That's true. I'm not the expert here. So. Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I personally, would, again, it's a 45 foot um, building. We're trying to reduce the impact of the the building on its neighbors. Well, that's why we pick big trees. Yeah. I and mean, that's why we yeah. changed. Because I understand yeah. that. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. Or the only question is, what's the health What height do you want? What height? What height? What height? You know, 10 to 12 would be yeah. better. Put 10 to 12. <laughs> okay, really, we don't have to have That'll be great. Oh, okay. So where where in the decision is, is that? Tim okay, with us? Okay, great. Where, where where would that go in this decision? We are in, if we are in uh, on page eleven, number seven, number seven, and it's going to be at the beginning. So we can get there. Okay, it's going to say street trees along Granite Ave shall be planted shall be ten to twelve feet as when planted and shall be hornbeam trees and along mechanics reach of the American elms. And I'm yeah, I'm fine with not even specifying trees. I just think um, it's whatever the shade tree wants. I think the size is more important necessarily than. Um, They'll have some discussion about it. That yeah. is really what they specialize in. So um, we will come back to you with great, you know, other suggestions. We'll, we'll just really report back to you because they really do have a final word. Mm -hmm. But I understand you're looking for larger trees at the time of planting. That's in there as a condition. And um, I said it's subject to their approval, so that yeah, the species might be changed. And then um, on page 12, 15, where uh, 
number 15, where it says leases for businesses locate, located in the commercial space may provide for hours between seven to eight. I just want to make sure that whatever business goes in there has the same opportunities as the other businesses on um, in the square. So I, again, I wouldn't want to limit um, it or be less than what's available to the other. It kind of varies. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all over the place, really. Look at the businesses in the food center, and they're all at different yeah. times. I don't know if that's by permit. The, and the only other question I have is on the parking, are you still um, doing those separate, um, se selling the um, spaces separately than the well, units? That parking man demand management plan was requested by the Board of Appeals, and it has been edited once by a member of the Board of Appeals, so I'm going to choose a draft because that board requested it. Um, I would certainly say that you are all more than welcome to provide input to the Board of Appeals. The meeting is on April 19th or you can provide a letter. So if you feel that something that's being required you think is not necessary or whatever, I think that they will benefit from any input from the planning board. I'm hoping that the planning board members will definitely support the parking configuration because it requires a variance and it doesn't require support. Um, they need to hear, hear your support. Uh, on the, the details of the parking management plan, honestly, um, I've never done one before. I drafted it, and then we got some extra language, including what you're talking about. That was added by a planning board member. It is a little bit complicated sounding. Um, it will be a cost, basically, to the condominium association, which means it will add a little bit of cost to what the members have to pay in their annual fee. But remember, if it's not used, if these free passes, if you want to call them that, and there's only one for each uh, condominium, if it's not used for one month, it's no longer available. And I suspect that we'd all like to think everyone's using public transportation all the time, but I suspect that a lot of people probably won't use it. But it's there as an incentive. Well, I would think uh, I would think that maybe every um, unit should be deeded at least one parking spot. Well, deeded, yeah. Because then, um, and, and, and if someone doesn't use it, they could just it go through really the condo association. It w so my fear is somebody who might not um, have the money to buy a, a unit. Um, with a space, you're going to sell a unit without, they won't buy the space. And well, then. Aren't, aren't, you're right. right. The intent is that each unit gets a space. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, well, they, it they goes to the resale of the unit also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and maybe if, it if needs they don't to have a car, then they lease it back. I mean, it happens at 26 Central. Yeah. They lease it back within the association so my concern is the an, an owner might buy a unit and not a um space it's not going to be offered that way oh okay because i thought that's what actually it said. i wrote that yeah and i wrote it really i made it up because i had never written one of these before and it was really just is this the way we're going to do it so yeah. remember that's a draft um and michael 
I think he should take another look at that language. And so it sounds like it's going to come with the unit. Change it. Um, we'll change it because I have to submit all these documents to the plant to the Board of Appeals very soon. But I think we'll take another look at that. Um, and if the intention is, as Michael described it, that's fine. I mean, you know, it's hard to do these things. It sounds like a good idea to motivate everybody to use public transportation and to, but, you know, they're not going to. The main interesting purpose of that plan, in my view, is maybe adding those passes. Businesses used to do that in Boston, and they may still do it. Um, but having the information readily available in lobby, I think that's a good idea. I can get us too. And I think real-time information about bus service, since it's two buses that was Milton that was certified, I think that's very useful information, and it isn't available anywhere else, as far as I know. Yeah. So I think that's. Going and I think that'll be important to the ZBA in considering yeah. the parking. So, all right, we'll look at that language again, Maggie. I understand what you're saying. Thank you. Great. You brought it to our attention. <laughs> okay. Great. So nothing. Is there any? That was it, Maggie, for you, right? Yeah, that's okay. So, I'm done. Are we ready to close the public hearing? You think? I am. I think so. Yep. All right, then I'll make a motion to close the public hearing for the 440 Granite Ave site plan approval. Um, do we want to do one more check on the participants? Okay. Or I, we've got one hand up. Um, so, um, uh, Andrew D'Amato, yeah, I do. Can we can we go to the, 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 the people? Sure, yes. Hmm. All right, we've got Andrew D'Amato with his hand up. I'm going to allow him to. Hello. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much. I, I don't know what happened earlier. My raise the hand button would not activate. I was hitting it like a pinball machine. It would not work. So I apologize for that. Um, I'd like to just start by thanking Rich uh, Beeler, and uh, I would have done it earlier, as I said. We're both East Milton residents, and I saw his involvement in the town, and one day we were talking at uh, Andrews Park, and he encouraged me to get involved in local politics and try to change things to make this town even better than it was. So I just wanted to thank him for pushing me down this road and, and giving me the confidence to do it. Uh, you know, Rich is a man of reason. You know, he always listens hard first and then speaks thoughtfully with an open mind, which is not always possible. So, you know, I, I totally respect that. And, um, yeah. In fact, he was the one descending vote on my wife Suzanne's uh, liquor license to the plate. And after that, uh, I campaigned really hard for him. So that's how much I respect him. So thank you very much, Rich. I appreciate it. Thank and, you, And, you know, in, enjoy some evenings home with your boys. Thank you, Andy. Um, and I'll never live that down about voting then. <laughs> no, you, you definitely won't. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I know I bring it up. Page. I'm just kidding. Um, We're friends. Yeah, that's true. Uh, on 440, I want to make something perfectly clear right off the get-go, is that this neighborhood, uh, I, oh, by the way, Andy DeMaio, 26 Pierce Street, East Milton Neighborhood Association, and uh, TTM number uh, 367. Um, this neighborhood 
does not want any more traffic. We don't want any more double parking. Uh, there's already double parking on Adam Street where people double park, waiting in front of Mr. Chan's, they open the door, extremely dangerous. Imagine that on Granite Ave. You know, no, it, it, that is just not a good idea. Uh, we, we have wrong way traffic coming up Paris and mechanics all the time. Of course, if you come up the wrong way, you know, you, you best do it at 60 miles an hour to get it over with. And, and, and now we have more little kids. I just think any sort of food, anything that, anything to, I, I would rather see a restaurant there than a to-go place. You know, at least a restaurant you stay for two hours. But in any event, there, there's not enough parking. There's not enough parking for, for a sub shop. And, and uh, you know, I can't see kids riding their bikes. You know, I granted that. It just, oh my God. You would have to park a valid ambulance in the parking lot to make me feel good about that. Um, so I just wanted to say that. And, you know, what Mr. Fay, he described as no hood, uh, no grease strap. And since we're okay, apparently, with chains, you just described a subway sandwich shop. And I don't think this neighborhood why. As a matter of fact, not only this neighborhood, but on the other side of the Adams Street, they've had enough. And, you know, we've overburdened this neighborhood enough. So please, you know, Lang it, if you should decide to do it, you're gonna, you're gonna come up against, you know, a, pr a pretty fierce amount of people who don't want it and are willing to fight for it. Um, I support this project at the time, however, after that, um, you know, if we were in single digit meetings, that might not be the case. You know, early on, way back, the focus was on, you know, density, parking, safety, and, and, and probably that's how it should be, right? Uh, but unfortunately, the design critique took a back seat. You know, uh, you know, I, I wish the building, you know, looked a little bit more like the ones in the village with maybe a parapet or a cornice on the top, and certainly something to break up the floors. I don't know if it's too late to do that, but even if it's a color change, to sort of break that whole mass. And maybe it doesn't look as bad as the renderings do, um, as you know, they all look red. It just looks like a red brick, maybe a hospital. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I like, you know, certainly I think the neighbors would like to see something uh, you know, that looks more like the village. And also the bump out. I don't know if it's possible to move up that bump out up one floor to allow larger trees, you know, to, to sort of mask the property a little bit and give it a little more greenery since, you know, I understand it's unique space and there's no, there's no room for green space, but that might be a good idea to, to think about. I don't know if it's too big for that, you know. But what we have now is a building really that's modified you know, a lot, <laughs> you know, and, you know, to meet, you know, some of the criteria that both the neighbors and the board uh, have brought up. And, and I certainly appreciate that of Mr. Moore. Um, but it's not his fault. You know, he had an original, you know, he had an original uh, vision probably for the, for this building. And, you know, he believed it. And, uh, and I commend him for his willingness to change it. I'm sure he would have rather have it look like he originally uh, designed. So, uh, but in the future, you know, I think if there are any developers out there, you know, take note. This neighborhood is not a place to experiment. 
you know, again, we're, we're, we're more into the traditional village uh, style buildings. This was, you know, bored out in a, in a Barrett report, um, which I sat on. Um, so, you know, that's in the future, that's, that's what we're looking to do. Um, and I guess that that's about it. Oh, you know, back to the restaurant thing. Uh, Mr. Fay, he described a restaurant without a, uh, um, I think he said a hood and a grease trap. Well, since we're currently okay with James, um, he described a subway. And I don't think that would fly either. But anyhow, uh, thank you all for enduring you know, 20 something meetings uh, on this building. And I think everybody's done good work. And I think that the compromise, given where we are and Mr. Moore's efforts and how long he's been waiting and how much time and money he's probably spent, I, I think it's, it's a decent compromise. And I just, you know, really want to thank the board for working through it. And, and that's my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Good comments. Anyone else? Any other hands up? Tim? I am not seeing any. No. Okay. So we have a motion on the floor that. Second. Second. Um, roll call in favor. Um, Rich? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Maggie? Um, <laughs> eight to close the public hearing. Oh, to close, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Sean and, and myself, yes. So now we can deliberate amongst ourselves if there's anything that anyone um, would like to say before we take, go to a vote. <clears throat> Rich? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I echo some, some of the comments that uh, Andy made. I think the project's come a long way. I, I, I mean, I commend developer for um, working with the neighborhood and, and working with us and and making these changes um, and getting to this point. So I'm excited about this project. Um, I think there's been some comments about maybe some tweaks and I think the developer and Aaron's hearing this stuff. So, I mean, if something does change along the way, I'm sure things could be added or tweaked or throughout the process. So I'm not too worried. I, I do like where we are at today though. Cheryl? Uh, I echo Rich's comments. I think the uh, applicant and the architects and the whole team have uh, worked diligently and, and listened to the concerns and uh, adjusted their plan. And um, we're not so fortunate sometimes to have developers who are willing to go through that process, you know, a two-year process that has no... Um, you know, guarantee of success in the end. Um, I think they have the best interests of their project in mind, of course, but also uh, of what would be beneficial for the town. And I do think this would be beneficial for the town. And in many ways, we need the housing. We could use the additional tax revenue and keeping business um, on the first floor. Uh, so we're gaining a lot. And I think it, um, and while I, I know not everyone agrees with the architecture, um, I like the architecture, um, and I think um, there's things that are hard to render when you get into the detail. Um, when you have texture and change of materials, the way the light hits at the shadow, that all um, brings character, and it's a more subtle character. Um, we don't build the way we did in the 19th century, and so when we try to mimic 
things from the 19th century, I oftentimes think it comes out looking a little um, Disney-esque. So, I mean, there's a balance between um, trying to have things fit in to historic context and, and having things um, that are speak to the materials and the way we build things today. So um, those are my comments. Great. Sean? Um, I uh, have only been in my position as a member of the planning board for one year. And uh, so I haven't been here for the full um, the full experience. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in the time that I have, I, I would have to say that I appreciate the flexibility um, that the developer has, uh, has put forth, um, changing the height of the building, um, being uh, amenable to some of the desires of those that preferred a different type of architecture. Um, so I, uh, I think that's, that's a sign of, a, of the type of development that we want to see. We'd like to see the flexibility. And I think you've answered, um, you know, really, Rich, what was uh, some of the concerns of the neighbors of East Milton Square. Um, I appreciate Andy D'Amato's comments as well. I think architecture is, in terms of how appealing it is, is often, you know, within the eye of the beholder. And what's attractive to one person might not be attractive to another person. Um, you know, I think it's really being left to, to you, Michael, to decide if anything that Andy had said, if there's any appetite for continuing to, you know, to consider what Andy's talking about in you're a resident of the town, um, and and I appreciate the commitment you make to develop in the town. So that's really up to you, whatever you do with it. I think it's a very good project. Um, I'm happy we're at this stage, and uh, and I look forward to it being built and and developed, and you know, and coming to market. Great, Maggie. Um, so. Um, you know, when I was elected to the board, I was really excited, looking forward to, to um, being part of um, change in, in Milton and bringing in small business. I'm a huge advocate of small businesses. And, um, and, and I think our commercial spaces are... Um, need to be um, revitalized. Um, I think Granite Ave in particular needs to be totally revitalized. Um, you know, I was um, sort of excited to be kind of like the new eyes and ears of the project. Um, so it kind of was, as I've mentioned, a little bit um, frustrated that I just haven't had the time or I haven't had the time to kind of work through all the particulars. Um, I'm really grateful for um, um, the openness to put commercial on the first floor and changing the whole parking structure, which um, from the mechanicals to the underground, I totally appreciate that. Um, um, and um, what, you know, I've struggled with it because it really is the architecture. And, you know, from I hear from so many people like every day when, you know, a project is that doesn't go quite right. Oh, who let that go by? Oh, who approved that? And I'm always like, yeah, I don't know. Like, and I'm a little bit hesitant just from the architecture. And I, and I know it, it's it is so subjective. Um, but I kind of feel like we have Milton Village 
um, and we've had the guidelines and last meeting we saw this great project being proposed and then at the other end of Adam Street in East Milton I, you know which is the railway village I just feel like having these two villages you know bookend Adam Street is just such a huge opportunity um, so I am a little bit disappointed in the architecture of the building um, but I know that's not one of our criteria. Um, so, um, you know, I just, I know that if I sign my name onto something, it kind of means something. You know, I don't ever just want to give my signature away if I'm not fully supportive of, of a project. So I'm kind of struggling um, a little bit, but as a whole, I think it's a great project for the town. I think it's great that all, everyone involved is from Milton, um, and that really means a lot that you're spending your time and um, your money and your investment in town, and that's hugely important. Um, so you know, to echo what Sean said, if there's ever a chance in the, in, in further down the line and you might want to look or revisit something a little bit more New England-like, um, we'd love to see you come back um, and, and do that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to hold up your process you know, and um, you you need to move forward, and and I understand that. Um, so I'm in support of the project as well. And I just want to echo a lot of what everyone else has said here. Um, you know, we've come a long way um, in the the four meetings that we've had since our new members have been on. I wish I wish as much change could have happened in the dozen meetings beforehand because I think you would be building your project right now. So, but. I'm grateful for um, for the changes, especially with the height um, and, and density and, the, and adding the commercial space. Um, I too um, would have liked to have seen something that I felt looked more like Milton. And I've said that and we know, um, but I think um, you have made some changes um, and I think it's gonna greatly improve um, that Granite Avenue um, area. Um, so, if you ever did want to come back and reconsider design, but again, I don't want to hold up your process either. And I want you to be able to build and we are limited, um, with site plan approval in, in what we can, um, what we can ask for in architecture. Um, so I am in support of this, of this project, um, as well. And, um, and I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be beautiful. I think a lot of what you're doing with the streetscape and especially if utilities can be buried, if that can happen, it, this is just going to dramatically improve, improve um, that exit, you know, coming off the expressway to really have something special. So great. you entertain a motion? Yes, I will entertain a motion at this time. Would you like to make it? No, you don't. I'll, <laughs> second, I'll second it. Yeah. All right, then uh, I would like to move that we grant site plan approval for the 440 Granite Ave um, site plan application, and that uh, at the same time we approve the uh, amended decision that we've discussed and amended tonight. Second. All right, roll call. And do we need to say a subject to the board? You have it in your draft. It's um, yeah. We approve. It's sub yeah. Okay, so that's included. So the ZBA knows that it's contingent upon their decision. Absolutely. So the that's, I just want to. Beginning and also in exactly. So I just wanted to, for the public to know that. Um, cool. So, all right, we'll vote, go with the roll call vote. We'll start with Rich. Yes. Cheryl? Yes. 
John? Yes. Maggie? Yes. And myself, yes. Look at that. You did miss. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it's been a process, but I think uh, it's a better project because of it. And uh, we're excited to move forward and build it. And just to say, <clears throat> Kathleen O'Donnell and Danny Swenson had a big role to play, so you were missing not to mention here tonight. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you for all yeah. your work. That's good. Okay. All right. We'll miss you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Um, okay. Terrific. So now um, I would like to reopen um, the um, public hearing for zoning article for town meeting uh, zoning recodification and invite Peter Mullen to join us and anyone else who would like to come from the bylaw committee is welcome. Welcome and good evening. Thank you. If you can just state your name for the. Good evening. Uh, my name is Peter Mullen. I'm town meeting member for Precinct 2 uh, and also chairman of the bylaw review. Uh, with me here tonight is uh, Tom Caldwell, who's a town meeting member from Precinct 6 and uh, also a member of the Warren Committee. Welcome, Tom. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. Um, uh, I want to give. A, I want to start off with a little bit of background information um, about the final review committee and uh, the current proposal, and then I want to address what I view as some serious problems with some of the uh, provisions of the uh, pending articles. Um, the final review committee was created back in 2016. And soon after we were created, uh, the town clerk came to us and told us about general code and that she had been talking to them. Um, we met, I think it was twice, with representatives from general code. Uh, and we think that in general, the idea of having uh, a code service maintain our bylaws is a good idea. Um, and we started down that road and we didn't get a, um, Actually, draft from the general code until 2019, um, and we focused first on the zoning bylaw portion of um, what the general code had done, um, and we went through three versions of uh, potential non-substantive revisions to what um, general code had done. Um, we were expecting that that's what was going to uh, go before town meeting. Um, it wasn't until last fall, I believe it was your September 22 meeting, uh, that we realized that the town clerk and the building commissioner had a different idea um, and that essentially the project um, restarted. Um, and um, as I understand it, different documents were sent to uh, general code at that time as to what the existing bylaws were and had it previously been sent. Um, and as a result, sometime in January, um, after the warrant had technically closed, um, the general code proposal came forward. Uh, and that's what's essentially being um, put before town meeting this year. Um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't understand why things changed, but they did. 
Um, and I think that's what we have to deal with. Yeah, so Peter, um, may I just ask, my understanding uh, was that town council had advised that we needed a starting point and the starting point needed to be a one document that included all of the amendments, but no other changes. So that's the clean kind of document that we're talking about now. And we needed to have a separate document that made amendments. And that's why they had to split it, because what they had done was incorporate changes that had been recommended by the bylaw review committee, but then they weren't easily traceable to a clean document. So that's why the change and approach um, that's my recollection of how it was explained. And um, so I don't know, is that what your recollection is too? It is not. Okay. Um, my recollection is that essentially um, what we were proposing are, were non-substantive changes. We were suggesting headings, we were suggesting um, moving things to different places, um, but they were all non-substantive. I think maybe then Tim, maybe you can chime in here. Uh, because I think town council's thought about that was different. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, th there's there's elements of um, <laughs> I don't want to use the term truth. I think you're both right. Um, I, I think that um, you know Mr. Mullen's assertion that you know we're talking about you know, a series of changes that the bylaw review committee proposed is is accurate. Um, I, the, the issue with that sort of draft of her comments is that um, for, for, you know, it, it can be non-substantive, but still um, voluminous, I guess is what I would say. You know, the number of edits that had been proposed yielded a, a red line document that um, I think in in staff's opinion, and I think in town council's opinion, um, was really going to be very difficult for town meeting members to ascertain, you know, exactly what is being changed here, um, you know, relative to, you know, an original set of um, zoning amendments and, and the original sort of certified zoning bylaw. And so, you know, Cheryl, to to to, to the point that you're making. Um, you know, the, the current path that we're pursuing is setting that baseline of incorporating, you know, all of the amendments since 2010, um, you know, again, as, as the town clerk alluded to earlier comments. Um, and, and, and that's the assertion that, that general code makes, that's the assertion that, uh, that the town clerk's office and my office make, is that, you know, what we're dealing with is, the language of the zoning amendments and a very clearly articulated set of changes, right? And so I, I guess the difference between, um, you know, the version that, that Mr. Mullins describing and, and the version of us, um, you know, tonight is the, the version that the bylaw review committee produced had a, a wide variety of, of edits. Uh, and the version that, that general code has produced that we're dealing with tonight has, you know, a lot of a, a lot of an absolute number of edits, but the variety of those edits is very circumscribed, um, and it's just, it's described in the document. And you know, the reason for that is to give town meeting members 
the confidence to say, these are the types of changes that have been made. Other changes have not been made. And, you know, it'll be up to town meeting to decide, you know, do we want to make those changes? Do we want to make them now? Do we want to make them later? Um, but it really tries to kind of put the changes in a more manageable box. Um, you know, so, so none of that is to discredit the work that the final review committee had done. But as that process kind of wound on, it created a situation where how are we going to sort of sort through all of this stuff in a way that is systematic and so, Cheryl, I think that gets to your point of that two-step process of setting the baseline of getting all of the zoning amendments in one place in a manner that was prescribed by town meeting, you know, in that article back in 2017. Right. So then just, I'm sorry, Tim. Yeah. Um, we, at, at the meeting, um, at one of our meetings, um, Sue Galvin and Joe Prondack, so town clerk and building commissioner, came and made a, a request of our board to support the approach of doing a phase one and a phase two. The phase one taking the last certified zoning bylaw, which is way out of date, and sending that along with all the amendments approved by town meeting up until, well, I think what changed Peter, was that before it was only up until 2019. What they changed in the fall was to bring it to 2022 because there had been more changes in the two ensuing years. And so then uh, that just takes everything that's been improved and puts it into one document, which we do not have, which makes it very difficult for anyone to work with the zoning bylaw. The next step would be any changes, and the changes could be minor, like just like you were talking about. But they would need; they could then be tracked above, so you can have a red line version. But we understood was we could not have a red line version before, and so town meeting members would be asked to approve changes that they couldn't see, well, and that was why it got split. Can I ask a quick question? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're answering no, this. Um, so it sounds like what. Mr. Mullen is proposing too, though, would still need to be done, but after this? Yes, that's my understanding. We certainly need to look at the substance of the bylaws, and that's what the bylaw review committee, that's our principal mission. Just to go back historically, um, my understanding is that there was a red line version run on the document that we, on our third version of the document, um, and um, it came up with something like 1,700 changes. Uh, but those, some of those changes were just the spacing of how much you indent uh, a, a subsection underneath the prior section. Um, there were not any substantive um, changes to the bylaws. Um, I would suggest to you right now that you don't know how many changes are being made in the bylaws uh, if you adopt this article. Uh, well, what our understanding is that there's no changes made in the bylaw. Well, that was the intent of the people doing it. Um, but right now, we don't have a list of what documents were sent to General Code. Um, Tim, is we, that true? All of the all of the documents, and and if I'll share my screen real quick because I've got the I've got the website. Uh, um, so. Um, We've got this posted on, on the planning board site, and the, um, the the general bylaw kind of version of this is on the town clerk site. Um, but what was sent to um, to general code is, first of all, the, the certified version of the zoning bylaws that's 
posted on both the planning board and the town clerk website. This is updated as of 2009, confidently certified. That's the zoning bylaw that's official. Um, so that was said. The clerk has never certified the zoning bylaw since she entered the office. And that what was sent was the 2009 version. That's, that, 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 that's correct. That's exactly what I'm saying. And it was um, certified by the clerk, though. The prior clerk had certified it, though. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're all on the same page there. Um, what, what then was also sent is this compilation of true copies of every approved zoning amendment from June 2009 to March 2022, okay? This is compiled by the town clerk's office, um, you know, going through every, you know, town meeting um, and, and sort of pulling out the true copy of each of these articles. So there's a little table of contents at the start of this. Um, you know, every, every zoning article from, so you've got, you know, 2009, everyone agrees that 2009 is the last time that the town clerk certified the zoning bylaw. And then each individual true certified copy of each individual amendment was sent to uh, general code. So that's the raw material that they're working through. I, I don't disagree. Work process, process. I, I don't disagree that that was the intent to send them the 2009 version plus all the amendments since then. Um, I haven't seen until he just showed that the uh, the list that he has. I, I don't know if that's a complete list or not. Um, what I do know is that um, General Code produced a document in January um, which purported to be um, all the uh, the original uh, bylaws plus all the amendments incorporated into the general code system, uh, which sometimes things spread around differently than they had previously been. Um, it's my understanding from making numerous inquiries that that document has never been proofread. Uh, no one has ever sat down with the original source documents and the new version by general code and made changes. Um, there have been some uh, inaccuracies pointed out since then, and General Code has uh, issued a second version of the document, dated, the first one was dated January 2023, the second version is dated February 2023. Um, I don't know what changes were made in the February version, um, but I know changes were made. Um, and the assumption is people talk about, um, look, we just have to get something uh, in an electronic format. Um, I think it makes a difference whether it's what's previously been enacted or it isn't. Uh, and we don't know whether, even if they're inadvertent, there's substantive changes because of um, mistakes that were made in connection with uh, generating um, the new uh, electronic version. You're familiar with the process that General Code went through that Sue Galvin explained to us earlier this evening, Peter? I, I'm not. I wasn't here. I wasn't aware that she was going to be here. Yeah. So, so Tim, uh, can you give a brief overview for um, Peter on, on that process in terms of how they proof it? Yeah, so the, 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 the process that they engage in um, is, is, again, you know, taking that, that raw material. So we've got PDF copies of 
2009 zoning bylaw, and then that 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 document that um, you know includes all of the amendments from 2009 to 20. Uh, that also then deploys two individual word processors. Um, that's that they pay to sit down and and transcribe those documents. So there's two simultaneous independent transcriptions of the document um, going on simultaneously. What happens then is those two documents are compared for errors between the two transcriptions. Um, so if, if I type, you know, section five and you type section six, um, that's going to come up as, as a discrepancy between those two documents. All of those discrepancies then get compared to the original source material. So, you know, if we're looking at section five or section six, we go back to either the original zoning code or the true copy of the amendment and see, you know, what's the error? Is it actually five? Is it actually six? And then you make that correction. Um, it's, it's a very robust way of, of doing this type of work. Um, very in, in multiple municipalities throughout the Commonwealth. And, and for what it is, it is something that as a staff, um, and then I don't want to necessarily speak to the developer, although she has you know, some this in, other, um, in other venues. Um, it's a process that she's confident in. Um, all of that said, you know, no one is denying the possibility of other types of errors that maybe would not be caught um, in, in that type of sort of double-blind kind of um, and, and I think you know what's going to come. What 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 the planning board and town meeting are going to have to sort of decide is, you know, what are the trade-offs between the imperative to do this work that town meeting had, you know, authorized and, and charged the town clerk to do several years ago, versus, you know, going back and and sort of making each one of those individual kind of. Uh, so um, I think that you know when it comes to the actual substance of the language of the bylaw, um, we all have very small confidence that there are no discrepancies, um, you know, from what was approved by town meeting um, over the course of the decades where we've been amending the zoning bylaw. Um, I think that there there are still sort of matters of internal consistency that um, we're going to need to take a look at. Um, and, and I think, you know, to that effect, I think some of the comments that Mr. Mullen is alluding to and the correspondence from other folks, um, you know, we've already spoken with general code about and, and are, you know, again, as a staff talking about a strategy. I think the evidence is that uh, between January and February, general code came up with a, a second version uh, of our bylaws. Um, so they found mistakes after questions were raised about uh, the content of the first product that they produced. Um, I understand they're using two uh, people, but if those two people are communicating with each other and saying, well, what does this mean, or how are you going to do this, um, then you won't come up with um, problems when you run a red line on it. Uh, let me go on to a, a few other things that I think are uh, important in your consideration. Um, I think there's serious uh, notice questions with regard to the notice of the public meeting that we're in right now and with regard to um, the notice that town meeting members are getting from the article that's been uh, published in the warrant. Um, the, the notice for uh, this hearing um, 
says that um, there's just you know, renumbering and um, uh, captions are being added to the bylaw. And it says all is set forth uh, in a document and it references the January 2023 document as being the document where it's all set forth what's gonna, what's you know, being proposed as an amendment. That's, and it says that that is um, uh, posted on the website uh, of the town clerk's office. Um, there's two mistakes there. One, the document that's being referenced and is being uh, proposed for adoption at town meeting is the February version, not the January version. And second, the document is not on the clerk's website, it's on the planning board's website. So I think there's a serious uh, issue about whether this hearing is properly noticed. Um, my understanding is that questions like that um, would be addressed to the Attorney General's office in connection with trying to get uh, any amendments approved. And I think that would be a serious problem. I think it's also a serious problem for town meeting as to whether uh, the town has been put on proper notice as to what's being proposed for to be acted upon uh, at the town meeting. Um, and I think I've um, already addressed the issue of um, nobody has seriously um, proofread the document the General Code produced. Um, the people who have done some proofreading have found errors. Some are bigger, some are smaller. Um, but every one of those errors means that this proofreading, this system that the General Code says it used, didn't work, it failed, um, because somebody somehow got uh, mistakes into the version um, that came out. So um, has your committee, when you say there's errors, has your committee um, documented the errors? No, um, we've done some, we've only had the document for, I don't know, a month or so. Um, you know, it's a 275-page document, and we don't necessarily know the documents that were sent down to Denver uh, Code uh, to use as the source material. Um, well, you must the the errors that were um, with the changes between the January and February. Those those there must be some changes that you had brought forth. That, I, I don't know what the changes were. I oh, don't okay. know what they did that was different. Okay. Um, the, um, another uh, weakness in um, this process is that general code has essentially made up without any direction from the town um, headings for various sections and subsections of the bylaw. I don't think they really understand the bylaw. They don't always make uh, headings that have um, uh, accurate description of what's in that section. Um, sometimes they're just wrong. They also have been trying to add derivation notes about where various documents come from. Um, and some of those notes uh, are not accurate. Um, the question of headings raises two, two problems. <clears throat> One, um, there's nothing in the bylaw as, as it's being proposed at town meeting that tells, it, tells uh, the reader how to use these headings, whether they're substantive, whether they're part of the bylaw, or whether they're just something that's uh, added as an aid to finding things. 
It had some headings in it, and I think the presumption was that they were uh, substantive. In any event, I think it, it, the headings that are being added are now substantive. Um, at least some of them are, maybe most of them are. And if they're substantive, then it's a substantive change in the bylaw, and that requires a different vote at town meeting. If it's a non-substantive change in the bylaws, it only requires a majority vote. But if it's a substantive change, it requires a two-thirds vote. Um, and I think that's a question that would have to be addressed at town meeting. I don't know how, um, I mean, I guess if you take a, a two-thirds vote, um, we'd have to go to the legal counsel, I think, with regard to that. Um, Another question that, that this process raises is, what do we do if this is passed? Um, if this is adopted by town meeting and approved by the attorney general, uh, when the question comes up, um, what about all the permits, all the, the uh, work of the uh, planning board um, that there are judgments, um, site plan approvals, various documents that make reference to various uh, sections of the old bylaw. Um, there's nothing in the current um, body that's being presented to uh, town meeting uh, that in any ways preserves the uh, effectiveness of those uh, topics um, or tells how to do, how to make um, um, what use can be made of the, of the prior uh, numbering system? Um, and it's just not addressed in the current proposal. Um, there is also a major uh, systematic uh, word problem in the new um, version. Um, General Code has its own system of how it breaks down things. It starts with a chapter, it goes to an article, a section, a subsection, a paragraph, a subparagraph, and a clause. Um, and so sometimes when there's references in the document, it will be to one of those topics. But our current bylaw has a different uh, lettering, uh, and what we call a section, they call an article, and there's various other um, comparable so that references uh, need to be changed and whether they've been changed properly uh, has not been uh, reviewed by anybody in the town. I don't think by anybody. I certainly haven't heard that General Cole has done any review in that regard. Um, so I, you know, I think uh, I have some notes here that tell me that um, with regard to Article 12, the parking regulations, there's a serious question about um, references with regard to section 275, uh, section 11.11. Uh, um, Peter, have you sent these comments to uh, Tim for um, his review? Uh, I, I haven't. Um, Alex Whiteside's on our committee. He's written two long um, uh, emails, three or four page emails that lay out all these problems. These notes that I've been speaking from, uh, I've essentially distilled from Alex's uh, uh, emails. He sent them not only to um, 
the planning board um, and to Tim, uh, but he sent them to uh, the clerk's office, to the clerk, to the town administrator, um, I believe to uh, town council as well, although I'm not sure about town council. Um, you know, this project has been rushed. Um, that meeting where uh, the clerk and the building inspector came to the planning board was in late September, I believe. Um, the document, um, General Code wasn't commissioned until sometime after that to get to work. They didn't produce their, their first version of the document until sometime in mid-January. Um, the whole project, I think, has just been rushed. Um, so I think uh, our recommendation to the planning board would be that you should not approve um, this uh, document that's being proposed um, and that you should refer the matter back to the clerk um, and that we should work on it together and as soon as it's ready we should get it um, before the town meeting um, and we'll have a much better document to do it. Thank you very much. Are there any questions that anybody wants? Very helpful, very helpful. I, I have more questions um, for Tim and, and some discussion points for the board, but I'm also curious if we have any other folks who... Um, yeah, are there any hands up? Julie, are you seeing, or Tim? I'm we have Kathleen O'Donnell. Oh. Great. If you, want to, if you want to wait here in, in case wait. people have questions, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, it's Kathleen O'Donnell, um, a town meeting member from Precinct 7, and also a, um, a former member of the planning board and a past and now current member of the zoning board. And I found it um, amusing that somebody would say that this situation has been rushed. Um, Sue Galvin pointed out that the last certified copy of our zoning bylaw is 2009. As a person who has practiced real estate law and has been town council and has practiced zoning, has written zoning opinions for 40 years, we rely on certified copies of the zoning bylaw. And the fact that Milton doesn't have one since 2009, it's hardly a rush. Um, to sort of get something that uh, somebody could call up and get some confidence that they were getting a report and a zoning co code that was certified. Um, even the town of Gosnell in Elizabeth Islands has a zoning bylaw on their website. We do not. Um, and we've had applicants before us who have missed, as Cheryl Tagais pointed out, have missed um, requesting variances because they didn't have a complete set of what our zoning bylaw reads. Um, they don't um, know which ones they should be asking for. As I said, even the zoning board and the building department have a constant, constant worry about whether or not we've got all the right pages. So the fact that we've hired um, General Code to do this bylaw update, um, all they are doing is ministerial and clerical changes. That's what their contract says, and that's what they do for every other city and town in Massachusetts when they are hired for this job, so that we can get a zoning bylaw that can be used by, our, um, uh, by applicants, by their attorneys, by architects, and by residents in the town who just need to know whether or not they need to get a variance to put in a dormer. So 
this sort of thing is just something we should be doing. I'm surprised that we even need a, a, a town meeting vote to do this. Because essentially, all we're doing is changing it from uh, tablets handed down by Moses on stone and putting it on a website so that it's searchable. So it's just a change in technology, not a change in the law. And as, as, as everybody has said, this is a second, this is a two-part stage. First, we get something we can certify, which would be delightful. And secondly, it would be wonderful to sort of start on an entire recodification of our zoning code, because it's probably something that needs to be updated and it would be a great thing. Um, but that's a different argument for a different day. But as I said, I think it's absolutely critical that we provide the tools that our residents, that our staff, and that our, um, you know, our boards and committees need as a, as a complete set and an accurate set and a searchable set of our zoning bylaw. And I appreciate the hard work that poor Sue and um, Joe Prodnick have done with the existing version. Um, I know that, um, that there's all kinds of talk about the fact that there's typos and mischaracterizations of that should be a sub-Roman numeral number whatever and something else and something else. Well, we've had that problem with our zoning code as long as I've been a town meeting member. I can't, I can't count the number of times we've come back to town meeting a year later to say, oh, we need to do an amendment to change that and to a off or something, an A to a Z or whatever. And it happens every, practically every year. So the fact that there are those little nits um, that would um, are in our zoning code are probably not done by general code, but are probably in the zoning code to, to begin with. And so I said, this is a is a handy tool, an important tool for our residents, and I just think it's and, and for our town clerk and our building commissioner. And I would hope that um, the planning board would support this article. Thank you. Thank you. Any others? Any other hands up from the public, Julia? Do you see anybody? Or uh, we've got Alex Whiteside. <laughs> Welcome. Hello. Good evening. I just think that when we get the town meeting to adopt a bylaw, it needs to be fully vetted and accurate. If we adopt something like what is proposed, which is, I guess Sue referred to it as the basic bylaw, and then you can fix that up. Uh, with amendments. This is going to go to general code. It's going to be put into their system and amending it is going to be tremendously difficult and it needs a lot of amendment. And why we can't get something to town meeting that is fully accurate, uh, which is what we used to do, not just say this is good enough and we'll fix it later, but this is good. I think that's what we should be striving for. And, and here, you know, let's get this thing, put it together and make it good and then get town meeting approval, not get town meeting approval and then try and make it good. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Alex. You can start with. Oh, so, you know, I think we all agree that um, 
it, it, it should be improved. We need to um, get with current technology. And, and I think that we all agree that it would be great to search. Um, but you know, after reading the comments that Alex um, provided, um, one part that really st stuck out to me, and it was to me personally, was the um, the the part number six, where it um, you know it it referenced requiring special permits for certain uses, because as you know, I had to go through a, a bylaw change and then and then um, get a permit underneath that bylaw change, and. I'm pretty sure you, most of you were town meeting members at that time. And if you recall, the first iteration of the bylaw change that was approved by town meeting made an inaccurate reference to a, a, a subsection of our bylaw. And so then we had to um, scrap that bylaw, go back to town meeting, and revote the bylaw, bylaw just because it referenced an incorrect section of the bylaw. So every little word is really important in, in, in our bylaws. And um, I commend you know, Alex and Mr. Mullen and Tom for their very thoughtful and detailed um, 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 email, because I th probably think they're the only ones who've actually gone through it as they have. At, and I can honestly say I haven't done it. And um, and even though we all want it to, you know, we're not arguing that it should, should not be done. It should be done. But it really should be done correctly. And, um, and they're the ones who are on this committee. They're, you know, they're all attorneys. And I feel like we sort of have to... Um, um, follow what they have said, um, and uh, and you know back I, I supported Sue um, in her um, in her request back when we took a vote on it, um, but I'm not sure has has Sue or Tim gone through the 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 changes as Alex and the bylaw review committee have. Can I ask you a quick question? Because yeah. I don't have that in front of me, but I, yeah. I read I read it. Um, that particular one you're talking about, in a, I wonder, maybe could be asked about different ones. Is it a mistake? Is it, are we citing a mistake that's in our bylaw the way it's written? Or are we citing a mistake that's in the transcription of the bylaw to digital? Because I think what I'm trying to capture here is um, there's two things going on. There is an effort to write the many errors, like you're saying, in our bylaw. But I think what Sue came to say is what we're, what the town or our, our legal um, representation and others are saying is, but we have to take for the good or the bad, whatever it is written today, that needs to be digitized. And then let's start making all these changes so we can refer back to them. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, I think what I'm hearing from Mr. Mullen is, but we don't know if the original digitized if there is mistakes in just not mistakes that we know they're mistakes they need to be mistakes still because they need to be they have to be mimicked but i think what we're talking about here is 
we also need to go back and fix all those mistakes. Mm -hmm. But that's phase two or phase three, whatever we want to call it. I think, am I on to- What Peter is saying is in the exact, the transmittal of this, digitizing this, that it that there are things that are inaccuracies. But those are not that. That's not that. Right, no. okay. So this is, and what Sue is simply asking to have something that that she can, you know. Certified. So I think that's what I was trying so, to get. But the her problem, job. She wants to certify. Her it's her job to certify. Yeah. But what's saying is what she, what we would what she will be certifying actually will be something that either headings have been added um, that that are vague or or not necessarily accurate. Maybe pulling the keyword, but it might not be. That's not what the bylaw is. So that's what. Peter is saying before correcting anything, we should just make sure that this the document that we have that Sue wants to certify digitally, that it is it's it's not correct, but correct the way it was written. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And it, so the term article, if article, what what um, yeah. Peter was also mentioning, which I think terms are really important, that those are the way. General code uses a term versus the way that it had been used um, in the original draft. Right. So, so I guess what I was trying to say is, so I agree with the things in there, and I think those need to be done. But I see them as it sounds like what Sue wanted to do was like separate it because we needed to do this initial thing. Right. I guess my only question would be for you now Tim, if he has the answer, do we have? Um, are we feeling confident that what the job that was done is by and large accurate to the inaccurate way our bylaws are written? Um, and my next question on that, if there is found to be some errors, are we, can those be updated and changed and fixed as we find them? That's what I'm concerned about is that I had no idea that there was a, a second draft, that there would have been corrections that were made. And I don't know what, Tim, if you want to speak to that, because I, I wasn't aware that, that they had gone, General Code had gone back and made corrections. So the two, the, the, the two we'll call them corrections, um, between the January draft and the February draft relate to the, the inputs. Um, and, and, and that goes to sort of the, that, that listing of, of true copies of entered into. And, and basically those two are um, the, the January draft including included the town's um, blasting bylaw as a zoning article, um, when in fact it is a general bylaw. So that is sort of out of the list of, of things that are kind of in this. Um, the, the blasting bylaw actually didn't actually even make it into the recodification. Um, it was just in the kind of the, the compilation of documents. That and the other relates to the, um, the, the time, I forget the year, um, I don't have my fingertips. The wetlands bylaw, um, which had been an element of the zoning bylaw for um, for a certain amount of time, and was then taken out of um, was taken out of the zoning bylaw and put into the general bylaws. Um, so, so that was something that had been reflected as something that was in the recodified version, um, and it was just you know a, an error on the part of the town clerk who you know had in compiling these true copies and been kind of focusing on, you know, additions and amendments to the zoning bylaw. This was a kind of a traction 
that was bad for us. And those are the two, you know, differences between that January version and so nothing kind of underneath the hood necessarily comprehensively, but just sort of that chunk um, had been kind of taken out. So, so, so not things that would call into question the work that was done by the, what's the name? Correct. Yeah, right. yeah. General code. So I, Sure. Um, I do. Thank you. I absolutely appreciate the sense of urgency to get to the point where we have this in place. And um, two of the members of the board, Cheryl and I, in our day jobs, depend upon this kind of information being available in any town that we work in and having it be accurate. However, We've gone 14 years, all the way back to 2009, to a point in time where we had a certified, um, uh, a certified uh, zoning bylaw, uh, and it seems to me that if we have a zoning bylaw committee that haven't been involved more recently, and Mr. Mullen, Mr. Caldwell, and Mr. Whiteside have as many concerns as they have, um, and this is their kind of work, um, I think it's a mistake to move this thing to the next town meeting, which is only weeks away. It's- there, well, I understand. I understand. Well, I will- We would make a recommendation. I understand. And, uh, I am opposed to making a recommendation. You know, we, I think the recommendation should we should return this back and have more work done on this. I think what, and, and give uh, give Peter Mull and Tom Caldwell in that that group an opportunity to make this really what it should be. But this seems to be, and, and I I understand what Kathleen was saying, but we haven't been working on this for 14 years. You know, we didn't in 2016 we created the the committee to start looking at it. So we had seven years uh, that we existed with all of the amendments that were made through the years and it wasn't updated. But in my opinion, this is a mistake to rush this. It's a mistake. And uh, I, I just I just don't see how, you know, 14 years and six months is much different than 14 years, give or take whatever months I'm. I guess maybe I will take a contrarian view. This the zoning was added to the work of the bylaw review committee years after the committee was formed and it was only for codification and the codification effort was to start five years ago and the reason that our building commissioner who is our zoning enforcement officer and our clerk who has to certify the zoning came to us is they they felt that it was stuck that the work was stuck and they needed, they wanted to take uh, the, the reins of it as town meeting gave them the power to do and move it forward under their guidance and leadership. And this board agreed to that approach that it would be under their guidance and leadership that this would move forward. And I have a lot of respect because these are the people who are responsible for this work. And I have respect for the bylaw review committee, but it's not their legal responsibility. It is our town clerk and our building official who have to work with this. 
and our Board of Appeal who has to work with it, our planning board. And we say it's out of date and we can work with it, but imagine how many, if you try and figure this out, you have the, the 2009 version, and how many amendments that say, on in section C, subsection X, strike this and replace that. And you're going to sit there with how many amendments over the course of 13 or 14 years and try and figure that out? It's a waste of Joe Prondex's time, which he's told us. It costs him a ton of time. It's a waste of our planning department's time. It's a waste of our Board of Appeals' time. And it's a waste of our time because we don't even, we, we have an unofficial version that we have used, and that's still at least five years out of date. So if you wanted to go and see if a project that's come before us is compliant with the zoning, good luck you know it takes a lot of effort to see if it's compliant because you you look in one place and it may have been changed in 2011 it may have been changed in 2015 again and trying and cross-reference where all these changes are it's it's not simply something that oh yeah it's worked for 14 years it's worked very inefficiently for 14 years and maybe it doesn't work maybe things have slipped through that don't even meet the zoning because somebody's made a mistake along the way i think that chance of mistake is far greater continuing on the path we are than having a few typographical potential mistakes in transcribing something from paper to digital. So can I, I, I have, I have two questions. I, I, my first question, and I'd like, I'd like Peter Mullen to address my second question. My first question is, if this started five years ago, what has happened in the course of five years? It was in the bylaw review committee for four. And I said, I don't I'm not trying to cast disrespect on the bylaw review committee, but the, the clerk and the building commissioner came to us to support their approach was to bifurcate them so that we can have a starting point that's just a starting point, and then changes that the bylaw review committee recommended come in the second phase. And we supported that approach. It's not that their work is being discarded. It's their work is being suggested for a second phase so it can be trackable. So what the process is, and I, I think we can't look backwards. We, we can only look forwards, right? So we can't um, say we wish we would have done things different. What we know is that we got a recodification document, a draft in January, and then there were some things that were found, and then it was updated, and then there was a new version that came out in February. But even in that February version, without doing the second phase work, just that alone, there are issues and concerns by people who understand. And what I'm what I'm concerned about is that in order to, if, just to go ahead and um, certify this, we might be certifying something that might be just as confusing because it may be referencing incorrect things. We're not and, actually doing the certifying though. No, is. we're not doing. But I'm saying the, oh. this, the bylaw that we are that that General Code has created, may be calling things different names and titles that that are inaccurate and what they reference with special permits. It may be you know referring to different things. All right, so what, what we certify, I think what we certify has to be correct before we make all the other changes and fixing, you know, other things, just the conversion of this to digital. We don't want to be creating other problems that are more confusing. I get a couple of questions, but you had a question out there, Xander, so I don't want to jump in front. Thanks. Um, I, I wanted to ask Peter, Peter Mullen to uh, ask, I, I want to ask Peter, what is his recommendation at this point? 
to send it back for. I understand, but I, well, I guess my question is, how does he, Peter? What do you envision as a process to get from the conundrum that that you outline to something that's complete and would be, in your opinion, um, something that should be certified? I think you want to make uh, no substantive you know, uh, changes to the zoning bylaw, but you want to make sure that you accurately created a document that um, has what's been passed by town meeting in the past, even if it has titles or whatever in it. Um, and I believe that you could a document could be ready uh, for a full town meeting to do that. Between now and the fall, in the fall town meeting, I think you could have a document that met that criteria and had been proofread and um, you, know, you knew that it was accurate. And are you suggesting that your committee would be involved in proofreading? I don't know that we're really in a good position to be the proofreaders. Um, I think we have to depend upon town staff. Um, and the proofreading is going to be, uh, you know, it's a 275-page document, so it's not a quick, easy thing to, to proofread. Um, and you need um, people who can, you know, you have a document you can follow. Is it going to have to be uh, changes made for section headings and things? What used to be called an article is now going to be called a section, and you know you have to find the right number for you know, when it references something. So th those kind of things um, you know, require technical expertise with the zoning bylaw. I think the zoning staff and maybe the clerk's office staff would have to be involved. And Tim, maybe this question is for you. Who proofread the January edition that was then updated in February? So, so we've been we've been reviewing the um, the recodification document from from General Code. I mean, in terms of the different differences between the January version and the February version, um, again, like I said, those were sort of you know a, a broad kind of change. So, um, you know, that's that's a fix that you know we are you know fine you know looking at saying like yes this has been made. Um, in terms of you know a line by line comparison proofreading between this gets back to you know the, the problem that Cheryl was alluding to earlier that um, you know in order to to make a, a proofread and a comparison, we're going now from the recodification to the 2009 version, but then jumping to the amendment that got made in 2013 and jumping back. So you know, that, that has not been done in a comprehensive way by town staff. Um, but I think what we are acknowledging, and, and, and I'm not necessarily disputing anything that Mr. Mullen um, you know, has testified that you know, Mr. Whiteside included in his comment letter, which you know we reviewed and you know met with and discussed with the clerk and town council and town administrator. I think what we are asserting is that um, on a substantive level of the language and the meaning of the language of the bylaw, we are confident in the process that we have paid general code to conduct and that there will need to be a future series of reviews and amendments um, you know, in the future. Um, I, I think that you know, ultimately, we are 
you know, we're, we're as a staff, and again, I can only speak for myself, but I, I do believe I'm, I'm characterizing, you know, the, correctly. You know, we, we are asking this to, to be done, um, and so that we can get to work of, of actually, you know, getting in there, popping over the hood, and seeing those corrections. So, um, you know, not disputing that there may be discrepancies in there, you know, especially relative to the language about paragraph versus subparagraph, section versus subsection. We understand that. Um, I think what we're saying is that, um, you know, we need to create this baseline so that, you know, A, we can continue the work of doing the recodification, but B, that we can actually use the zoning bylaw in the way that we need to use it on a daily basis. Um, I have been to more than 150 40B public hearings. And in more than one, we have had a situation where requested waivers for comprehensive permit projects needed to sort of go back to the shop because they are referencing amendments to the zoning bylaw that aren't reflected in what's publicly available online. Um, Joe Prondek will tell you that on a daily basis, you know, he is compelled to refer people to the town clerk's office for a true copy of his zoning amendment. Um, I don't have a problem telling you, I just discovered this last week. You know, for two and a half years as your director of development, I've been sending people to the town clerk get a business certificate, um, which is, you know, the number one permit in our appendix. Um, that's a change that got made in 2016. Now it's the building commissioner that gives out permits for uh, so one of the things that we are really running up against, and, and I think the sense of urgency is, you know, everyone should really feel it very acutely, is that for the past 2009 to today, really depending on the institutional knowledge of town staff about when zoning amendments have been made. And you know, Joe Prondack is not long for this town. Um, he's not going to be here forever. Um, I know my way around the zoning, but I still encounter, you know, situations where, um, you know, I, I am not aware that an amendment has taken place. And so, we get this bylaw to a state where everyone has access to the same information, you know, the better. And I think what the planning board and ultimately what town meeting are going to need to wrestle with is. You know, no one here is asserting that this thing is perfect, but I think what we're asking town meeting to do is to weigh the trade-offs between further delay and further instances of, you know, people trying to do work in this town, not having the right information at their hands, and the sort of unknown possibility of the implications of, you know, discrepancies yet to be identified. It is a trade-off that the that, that town meeting is going to have to weigh, and I think what staff is telling you is that the the dangers of there being discrepancies in the transcription are outweighed by the dangers of not having the right information at everyone's fingertips. Can I ask a question on that? So, since we're talking to Tim, the company that we're using. Um, is this like who every city and town uses? Like this is pretty general code. General code. This is like, I mean, so I guess I, what I'm trying to uncover yeah. there is, I think 
we're all, I, well, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I feel like we're all on the same page that we're looking at stuff. We know that there's problems in our bylaws, that things are pointing to the wrong places, and that's why there's a bylaw review committee, and I think they're doing great work. Um, I did buy into the idea, though, of this, that it sounds like our general counsel and others are saying we need to have this, you gotta take the bad document, it's gotta, it's gotta go digital before we can make the changes so you can tie things back, I like that. Um, now really what I'm trying to figure out is, do we think that they did a good job, right? And I'm kind of sitting with, if that's their thing and they are the only people that people hire to do this thing, um, if our town council and our the person who, you know, if, if our clerk's office and our planning department think they did a good job and we're not, because I think the problems and the mistakes we're finding are pointing to problems and mistakes in the bylaw, not problems and the mistakes from document to digital. Um, at least that's what I'm hearing from Tim. So if that's the case, I'm for it because I'm hoping it goes digital and then we can start getting updates made pretty quickly, right? So, Rich, to, to answer your first question and, and then to kind of get after, I think, the sentiment of your later comments, um, you know, there, there are a couple different companies that do this. Um, General Code is the big one. Um, their product is, is eCode. You'll often come across um, um, Unicode, which is another, um, which is another product by another company. Um, but they have a track record, you know, in the Commonwealth. Um, in terms of, you know, do we think that General Code did a good job? Um, I think they did. And I think that, you know, in our conversations with them, which, you know, Sue and I just had a call with our consultant from General Code yesterday, um, the, the, dis the discrepancies that, that have been kind of brought up tonight and, and in letters to the board um, did not come as a surprise to General Code. And they are a function of their unflinching desire to do a verbatim transcription of the true copies of the zoning amendments and, and, and the 2009 certified copy. Um, and so, you know, they have outlined if there are changes in the text, here are the types of changes in the text. And, and they relate to the numbering, they relate to the headings um, that, that Mr. Mullen referenced. Um, and, you know, they relate to certain those internal references to numbers, spelling out numbers, capitalizing town. Everything else is the same. And, and it's a deliberate decision on the part of the consultant to not err on the side of making judgments that are really up to town meeting to make. And so that's where you have situations where, you know, one of the comments in Mr. Whiteside's letter, you know, related to, you know, there's a reference to, you know, this paragraph, but that taxonomy has changed in general codes, you know, uh, recodification and now paragraphs are subsections. Um, that is a result of not going in and making those judgment calls on, you know, should we change paragraph to subsection or subsection to we raised these issues and, and General Code, you know, had a, a really close look at Mr. Whiteside's comments. They were like, yes, you know, we understand and, and, and you know, we go in and fix that. And, you know, it's, and, you know, this, 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 you know, this change does not make it through town meeting, or even if it does, we're still going to want to go back to General Code and say, okay, we need you to take this next step and 
you know, make those proofreads and make those changes that affect the internal consistency. That's something they're totally capable of doing. So that was that's my- the question, Tim, that I that I have right th- what you just said exactly right there. And I know we, we need to do this for our building department and, and our staff and pursue, but we are, we are this far. I feel like we're really close right now. I feel like I know, you know, we want this to happen as quickly as possible, but by moving it to fall town meeting, that gives the chance for general code to, to make those changes that in Alex's mind and Peter's mind are actually substantial. Um, they're substantive. And it, but I don't think we want to make, make substantial changes. changes. No, no, what they're saying, what general code has done, because no. by the heading, by the heading that those are actually, um, we're hearing, I'm hearing different yeah. things. And I, what I'd like to do since it's already after 10, yeah. we just got this two days ago and no, I haven't had a chance to go back and look at general code's work compared to these comments. And I think um, yeah, uh, we owe it to the all of the town officials who've asked us to do this right. to at least understand whether we agree with this uh, because we're being asked to make uh, a, a recommendation. Yeah. We know the Warren Committee has already recommended this. Yeah. And we know that the planning department, that the town clerk and the building commissioner recommend this. And so I would have to really um, think hard about going against those recommendations. Um, when some, you know, this is something uh, that we just got, you know, two days ago. Right. So, I, yeah, I agree. We don't have to make a decision just tonight. One, one comment, though, because yeah. I think this is where um, I think it's getting a little confused because so it sounds like that back to what you just said, that next step of making those changes is not what they want to do in the same, you know, at the same time, because at least what I heard from Tim is our town council, our, 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 our town is saying that we need to at least take what's written, even though it's wrong, put it in digital, then have them start making those changes. And what you're, it sounds like you're saying is doing two different things. No, no, no. I'm so the changes that are in the bylaws that are the problems that need to be corrected typos. We can't do that now. We can't do that now. But what I'm saying is putting it in. What I'm hearing is that putting in the electronic form made some changes, which, which could be corrected. Simple, simple things. Is that what you said? And that's what Tim was just saying is that general code said that that's fine. They can make those changes. I'm saying we should do that before so, we so send it to town, I didn't, to that's, town meeting. I, let's have Tim. Let's have Tim yeah. I didn't hear that. I thought what Tim was saying was that they copied it verbatim. They do think there needs to be updates and they're willing to do it after we get it done. So that's different what you just said. It, it is different because there, there were some changes made in All the right. process. So of Tim, can you over. correct us on that? Yeah. I, 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 again, this is a situation where I think there's there's elements of rightness in, in and, and, and let me let me try to be clear. Well, hold on, just before you go there, I don't think so. They either copied it verbatim or they didn't. They, so so, Richard, they copied it verbatim, with the exception of some what I think are, are self-evident changes, right? Um, the, the the primary of which being the number. Right, so we go from Chapter Ten to Title Two Seventy Five. Um, so all of those internal kind of numberings, you know, get you go from you know Chapter Ten, Section Three to Title Two Seventy Five, Section Three. 
you know, and, 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 and that's kind of, so, and, and general code has provided explanatory notes that, that say, you know, the general numbering changes. Um, here's the system of, of numbering, you know, capital A, you know, parentheses one, lowercase a, I want to cut you off yeah. only because we're in the interest yeah. of time and I yeah. get it. So to my so, point, yeah. I think I, I feel like they went a little too far then. So you can't kind of have you take and eat it too. You either copy verbatim and then you could have went f further, but you only went a little way. So I personally, I mean, if you guys are voting on tonight, it's irrelevant for me, but I like this, I, this, this idea though, to get it in there, as long as it's like as basic and verbatim as possible, or if you guys are really outlining for town meeting, here are the few changes, they're not substantive, and, and here's what we did, now we're gonna go phase two and, and start making some real changes to our bylaw, I think is a great idea. The phase two piece, let's not forget, the town council said that the town meeting members are going to have to see what, understand what yeah. the changes are. That means you need a red line version. And that's why we did not have a red line version. This is to give us a base document to begin a red line version. If you think about, it's like taking word processing and incorporating all the changes that were made since 2009 into the document. But instead of having town staff do that, take everything that's not in the same format anymore. You know, you have old PDFs or hard copies. And so general code took all of that. So they still are going to have to do something, right? Because it says in one of these places, it says you have to, you know, change this and you're changing that title. And so how will you ever get to a clean document without a little bit of having to make an, a, an adjustment to how the organization is? That was the yeah, whole point. And I don't want to just go down to the rabbit hole, but I would only say that maybe like hindsight, right, 2020, but maybe if we got Mr. Mullen and Alex in like, hey, here's what we did, here are the changes, put aside the, the massive amount of work you guys are doing in real changes that you guys work, that want to see happen. But if they could have guy, got you guys on the same page to really see what they did and like maybe you could have made some recommendations there, maybe it would all be That's agreement. what he would yeah, like so, to do. And, and he's asking until... Tim, like, so he says, Tim, no, he says staff is going to do it. Yeah, so I Tim, don't why don't you work with the bylaw review committee? Yeah, or, I made a mistake. Or, and, and allow also them to get on the call with you with the consultants yeah i didn't mean to go down a rabbit hole i think it's hindsight yeah we're following the process that the town clerk and the building commissioner asked us asked us to yeah. support them following that's what they're doing mm -hmm. and it, it, that this board took a vote to, to support that when we talked about it before mm -hmm. and this is this, the next step in that process so i feel like um, it's the it's the right next step. So then the question is, do we? I don't know whether I agree that there's these change that these uh, are substantial or different without having looked at it. And I haven't had time to look at it because we just got it. I and I, so yeah, I think we should stop our conversation, yeah. move on because <laughs> these people have been waiting for a yeah. long time. And you're right, but, we need time. You're right about that. Yeah. So I think we need time. Thank you, Peter. Can I have one comment? Yes, please. Uh, Prondack needs a workable document. He can use this document that General Code has created, whether it's voted by a town meeting or not voted by a town meeting. If he has confidence in it, he can use it. He needs the certified document, though. He, 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 
that's my understanding. He needs the certified document, so. No, the, the, the town needs to be able to certify it to the zoning bylaw, and sometimes the applicants need them. But in terms of being able to understand what it provides, he can use, you know, anything he wants to tell him what the it's, law is. It's unofficial, though. It, it's I, unofficial in the sense that you can't certify it to someone else, to some court or something. Um, I'm just saying that if the rationale for waiting six months rather than going to a fall town meeting is because Prondack needs it right now, he can have it right now. And it's, he's using an official anyway. No. No. Thank you. Oh, we are. It's only the planning board is. No. Thank you. All right. To, to continue to the public hearing on the zoning article for town meeting to April 27th at. 705. 705, yeah. Sorry, Rich, you'll be. Good, well, luck. good luck. Good luck. <laughs> I will be a town meeting waiting for to vote on. Yeah. <laughs> good. Great. All right. Is there a motion? Is there a second? I'll second. Okay. Roll call. Rich? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Maggie? Yes. Sean? Yes. Myself? Yes. Thank you all. Okay. Great. I'm so, I apologize. Um, we can now open the public hearing for 111 Highland Street Memory Care Facility continued from March 30th. If you would like to join us? Good evening. Good evening. I know. Sorry. It's not on, is it? It's blowing really cold. Oh. <laughs> you guys go fast. Keep you awake. That's, that's good. Welcome. Well, thank you. Mid Corcoran, um, council with Mike Walrzak on behalf of um, North Companies. Pleased to be here to continue this hearing before I say anything. Um, congratulations and thank you. Thank you. Um, and the other thing is, I, I prefer to do nothing with the bylaw because I get paid a lot to understand what's <laughs> <laughs> Hourly. Um, so I, I think the best thing we can do tonight, given the hour and the time, and I know that Jim and I have um, been back and forth earlier this week, is that we're still relying on review of some information that's coming. Um, we do have some updates. We have a, a, a brief presentation we can make relative to stormwater changes, modifications that we presented to the Conservation Commission on Tuesday night, and they were pretty well received by the commission on Tuesday. It was specifically a question about the, how we were bridging the first, um, uh, the first intermittent strains with a much bigger opening in the culvert, which involved deer crossing. There was a specific discussion that took place on the site walk between uh, Tom Palmer and our engineer. Our engineer went back, took a really hard second look at it, and came up with a much better design that he thought was appropriate. We're finalizing the, 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 the numbers on that, and that obviously has to go to Tetratech further review. Um, so we know that Tetratech just gave Kim midweek their preliminary comments on the site on the stormwater. Mm -hmm. We've got them. 
we've got work to do to respond to them. Uh, we think we can have uh, responses done uh, in time for a robust discussion on the 27th. Um, and we really point to the 27th for an opportunity to have a much more robust presentation. I think that's a, a much lighter agenda. Um, congratulations for getting to 440 Granite Avenue. But we would, we would really look forward to an opportunity uh, on the 27th. So I think, you know, I submitted a memo through Tim. <coughs> we can do an overview of the adjustments to Stonewater. Um, we'll have to share a screen in our uh, Paul Avery, I think, is available, still available, uh, to do it. I know he's down in Pennsylvania at uh, an acceptance student day for one of his children. Um, we could have a brief discussion on traffic memo that we submitted, but that's obviously gone to Tetra Tech. Tetra Tech has not provided any comments to either the initial traffic report or that memo. So probably best to hold on that. I would say that we have reached out to um, Chase Berkeley with a request for a meeting with the traffic, uh, traffic commission. And we would invite neighbors to participate in that uh, in order to look at sort of a set of traffic calming measures that have been identified in the, in the traffic memo that could be implemented. Uh, we want to make sure that specific measures would be acceptable to the traffic commission from a physical perspective. And so any of those measures that would be acceptable obviously would be accepted. And, and, Addressed as incorporating it to a, a special permit uh, that could be granted. So, when you talk with the traffic commission, can I make a request? Um, we have a traffic model that was developed, and maybe Tim, if I'm wrong, you can jump in here. Um, the idea of that model was that we could run some tests. So, if you change uh, traffic, um, regulations or patterns in some way that it'll simulate what happens and so if but i know that there was a a funding of how to fund like being able to continue to use it moving forward and so it might be that um something that you could help fund like plugging your data into that model um so that we could see what would happen. So I read the, the memo that said that they can make some adjustments to this, the uh, signalization. signalization, but it would be, uh, I think, important to understand what that does if you make those changes and if you make, um, at, at, the, at that particular intersection, does it affect a different intersection? So if they can run that simulation, I think that would really be helpful. Okay, I wasn't aware that that was involved. It was years ago that that was utilized. Well, it was it was funded pre-COVID. You might remember town meeting voted, I think, $85,000 to fund the development of it. But then um, there was some question with the, the data if you're using COVID numbers, right? So they held off on doing it for a couple of years. And then um, I know that the traffic... Um, what they call it, traffic mitigation committee mm -hmm. made a recommendation to have a staff person who would manage this that software themselves so someone at the dpw engineering department so that and you know when this traffic mitigation fund that we have is the, the uh, cost to pay into it would be to help you know maintain that too so um i, I just suggest it because it might be a way to help analyze the these suggestions um that are being made sure i mean 
Well, let's do this. I'll, I'll explore with, with Chase and Tim yeah. what it is, what state it's in, and whether it's possible to right. take advantage of it. If we can take advantage of it, we'd, we'd be happy to do that. Uh, I mean, this is what it was designed for, so I'm hoping it can I'm be sure taken that, advantage I'm of. Sure that, <laughs> I'm sure the folks have been asking sources to yeah. intimate with these types of models. They run them all the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, uh, I think, Beta. Beta did it. Um, but I'm sure they know one another. We'll check in on that. Yeah. But, but Tim and um, student, uh, Chase had originally tentatively scheduled for 6 o'clock on April 27th. And uh, he just scheduled it. And when I spoke with him, he then was concerned that maybe there wouldn't be enough time between that meeting and the meeting on the evening of the 27th to. Mm -hmm. So he was looking for another date. Um, I'm pending that other date to notify the neighborhood uh, and then you know, hopefully have something solid to report back to, to the board as a result of that meeting. Um, I can also report that we had uh, a meeting on site with Karen McCarty and her council Thursday. Um, our landscape architect and the project architect and I met with her and her council. Um, we, we agreed to do two things. One, uh, one we, we, we took a series of photographs all along her property line, between her house and the property line, looking into the property. And that we would produce a, a rendering for them that depicted what, what the post-development would look like from a landscaping perspective with respect to landscaping around the building, plus the building itself, what would be visible from the per property. And then um, Mr. Henry asked our uh, landscape architect, what would she do if she were designing landscaping to buffer her own property? Mm -hmm. And so she said, I would design a three layer set of things, particularly between the house and the property line. And so we'll come back with some renderings of what that might look like. And then other infill as you go down the driveway that would be less dense, but would still have screening as you come up the driveway, and we'll work on that. Obviously, um, to the extent that we, if we reach an agreement with them, that would be done. Uh, we incorporate those into a special permit, but we would need them to agree that that would be acceptable and that this project would be acceptable from their perspective. We, would not, we could not be at risk of further appeal from them if we were going to put that type of effort forward. And we do have a very robust, we didn't indicate we have a very robust budget for that type of work because um, every tree we plant somewhere is a tree that we get credit for against the significant deficit um, for trees that are being removed in the Conservation Commission process. So um, we, we, um, we did submit a, uh, a brief, we, did, we submitted an update to the CMP um, based on comments that Eric Green uh, heard from the, the board two weeks ago, but there were some additional requests within the Tetratech letter, so we're going to further um, address some of those comments, and Mr. Green is working on those as well. Um, we, we have, we're working on 
one of your requests, Cheryl, uh, with respect to the trees to be saved associated with the tree preservation plan. We've got a plan that is color-coded and now identifies uh, species uh, um, that you know looks like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of colors, a list of a legend of things. What we don't have, and we've, we've, uh, we finally figured out that, that we need, is that we need to sort of turn off all of the trees within the limit of work and really just focus on the trees that are within 25 feet of the limit of work. So that's in process, and we'll have that uh, ready for uh, review uh, at the next uh, hearing. And then we've updated um, some site sections. Um, we've submitted some updates. Last week, we have further updates today. I know we forward to Tim and to you, Cheryl, specifically because of, I know that you have particular interest. Um, and what basically what we did is we broke the sections down into subsections and then blew them up so they're more visible. I know what we submitted last week, which showed a series of sections on one plan, really difficult to read, really mm -hmm. difficult to process. So we've broken those, each of those sections out on its own plan. She, blowing them up. Um, I can run through those tonight briefly if I can share a screen or we can uh, wait. We may have to do that because we have one other big, the MBTA communities we need to get to. That's fine. And I didn't see on the, those subsections um, the drive, the, the elevations of the drive. Um, you did the buildings, but we had asked what are the, what are the, um, the height of the retaining walls on the drive when you come in? Um, I didn't see I didn't see any um, elevations on the drive, which from the rendering it looks like it's a you're building up that driveway and it looks like a a high retaining wall. And I, I just I don't know if that's the depiction on the. It is a high retaining wall. It is. So we we've not seen anything so, on the retaining wall. It's it was just the buildings. We have we do have one that sort of cuts cuts lengthwise. Um, the mid, the mid of the driveway, and it does have. Is it on there? I didn't. It does yeah. have some okay. Heights. It's difficult to see. That's what. Yeah. And in particularly in the version that you cut from last week, it would be almost impossible. Right. So I will forward this new. That's great. Okay. And and it, it's got a better depiction. Okay. As long as it's on there. Okay. So that was sort of my my update. Um, I know that we you know, your goal was to be brief, um, and so much of what we're, we're doing two things: um, responding to the, the litany of, of requests for information that came out of the, the, the hearing a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. we're, we, we've got a fair amount of it in good process. We'll have it by the end of the week so that we have a new good, new solid package to submit. Uh, for review on the 27th, and um, we really were focusing on the stormwater uh, and adjustments to stormwater associated with the first crossing, um, particularly in response to Alex and not Alex Tom Palmer, Tom Palmer's yeah. requests, and, and we presented that in, in draft, if you will, to the Conservation Commission on Tuesday night. It was well received. We still have to button up um, uh, the calculations. Um, and some additional plans, and we'll be submitting those uh, as well. 
with that, I can, your, your pleasure. I know there are people here from the neighborhood that may want to. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And if you want to, uh, a five minute overview of the plans that Paul Avery has developed with respect to that, that uh, crossing, or we can, we can wait and submit a more thorough review of that uh, for the 2027. 20, I think that makes sense to do it then and be a little um, more thorough, but I don't know of the rest of the board. Okay. Yeah. I just have a question about the, the, traf the traffic. I just want to make sure that um, um, that the, the Northbridge isn't going to enter into any like contracts with like Milton Hospital for additional parking. Okay, because I know Milton Hospital is always looking they're, for additional they're, parking. They're constrained themselves. Yeah. Uh, they have a, um, a secure special permit amendment for them to park cars for employees at the St. Elizabeth Church. Yeah. yeah. And they show So I knew that. So that's why I know they're, they're always yeah, looking the parking, for a place. So I didn't want them to the, then the start parking. Is, um, is just for this project. And we know that you know, in, in, there are more parking, I think you said this previously, there are more parking spaces than you think you would need for the routine operation of the facility. But we do have, they do have occasional guest days and celebrations, and on those days, you have to park everyone on campus. There's no place else to park them. You can't park them on the street. You can't park them in the neighborhood. You don't want to have to think about parking in the hospital. You need to take care of there. How many um, days would you say that is? I, um, if you just go through the holidays, you know, we pretty regularly like to bring people in. And I mean, let's look at right now, it could be Monday. We could have a little get together and bring, bring some family, family in the Patriots Day. Uh, we've got Memorial Day, we've got Fourth of July. You know, that there is uh, uh, Mother's Day. Uh, Father's Day, you know those type of those type. You know, it's it's pretty regular. I mean, we have we have functions of people, or, or um, um, uh, try to encourage people to come in and visit their family. You think that it wouldn't take much encouragement, but um, people at times um, have had a rough time with their family members, and they don't like to be reminded. We just try to, you know, encourage the families to come in and visit there. I'm just really, yeah, trying to understand because if the parking, a portion of the parking lot is rarely used, could that be a different material? You know, could it be something that is less uh, impervious? So, um, impervious. Well, less more, more impervious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could certainly look at that. Yeah, because. Um, you know, the lights of that parking lot and the, I think even some, um, just the, the heat, there could be heat island effect, you know, from the amount of paving and so forth. If it's not used that often, you know, even grass is used to park on an occasional basis. So I, I guess 
I, I'm just trying to really understand how much of that is your typical operation. And, and we, can, we can take a look at that. That's a good question. I know that we've heard from uh, through Tim that yeah, I, I sent that question through because I was looking, the reason I asked for those site sections is you're bringing in a, a lot of fill and I don't know if we wanted this for another night, but I'll just share the question with you that I sent um, was uh, the reason I asked for a site section the way I did was I was at the, the thinking that there's a lot of fill being brought in in the section where there's no basement. And I thought, why put fill there in the, instead of putting basement and then park in the basement and have less surface parking um, and so I, you say you said that you can't do it but um, I'm curious about the level of fill and you're going to need to build um, I mean, you're going to have to compact that fill and you know it, it would be an environmental benefit if to just not have the fill and put that basement and your part you're, bring, you're bringing your service in at that level anyway and I can't imagine the cost is extraordinarily different by the time you have to clear and do stormwater drains and everything for the parking lot. Um, unless there's something I'm not understanding about why you need that fill in that location, because there's a ton of fill when you look at that section. We've done, we'll give more information back to you on this. We've done two separate layouts of parking under the roof under. Okay. There are other, there's significant other issues. And among them are the fact that we still need the parking in the back. So to build that second bridge, there's a big cost difference to the building between building parking underneath and doing parking at this point. But we'll take, we'll keep looking at it. But I'm I'm not confident that we get there. Well, if you look at your true need, you know maybe you don't have to build all of that. It's it would be a nice benefit if you really didn't have to. Well, even to, to construct that building, we need some staging. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a concern with expressed by by our neighbors and by you that they, they, you know, we need some room to be able to. Understood, but even if it's staging, that's temporary compared to an asphalt parking lot with lights on it. That's not temporary. So um, it's. I would like to to see you take a good look at it, and if it's not possible, I respect that. But I, I do think there's um, it, it could be beneficial in other ways if it did work. So, well, we'll continue to look at it, yeah. and, and we, we are we are in the process of that. We did indicate in the recent memo the plot of materials we submitted that the third shift parking will not take place. Out in the back, and the lights will be off. They'll be on time when they go off at 11:30 at night. Okay. They'll come on until they get out. That's that's beneficial. If we could, yeah. the next level would be, you know, some some way to make some of it um, pervious, and then the next level is not to even I think have some. That strikes me that, that pervious is a, a significant section. But you know, what's the what's the number of parking spaces that we need available to us for the routine operation? Exactly. That could be filled up front and then one section in the rear, perhaps in the other section where you do it with a less pervious, with a, with a more pervious surface, right? Um, because it's used less and it's marked differently. And so, we, I think that's something we can look at. Okay. 
Uh, we'll certainly, we'll certainly look at both of those. You know, we need to look at them hard. We, we need to have good hard answers for you when we say we can't do A, B, and C. Um, Great. So and then you just look at yeah. the number of beds, too, because I think it was your Needham facility might only have like 60 beds. Um, so what's this, 78 beds? No. Is that not? No, 72. Size, um, you know, that's, that's a non-story. Because 59,000 square foot building is very, very big. No, it's a big building. It's an acre and a half. Yeah, but um, that's that's an absolute non-story. That was negotiated. It was only was negotiated. All right. Well, let's. We will want to hear from the public. Um, we want to. I know there's been people waiting here, but we'll have a more in-depth. I think there's other things that you're still looking at that we're, you know, that we're interested in too. But we can t t dig yeah. more into that on the 27th. Thank you. Yes, we appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate the site walk. So, so great. So, we're not going to continue it yet. We're going to hear from the public residents now. So, thank you so much. I appreciate. It. For coming. Great. And now, um, anyone who's interested in speaking to anything, uh, and again, we're going to have a lot of more time to allocate to this. I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, um, on, on the 27th, but feel free to come up and if you're prepared to speak or. I have a slideshow that Ben has, and it's very fast. Okay. I promised that we don't put Great. Uh, but it's going to be quite graceful. That's great. Um, Please come percent. forward. Okay. Um, Welcome, and if you could just Thank you. say your name again and your address for the for the My record. My name is Jonathan, and I live at 16 Spafford Road in Mountain. So um, here we go. Um, I just briefly a picture's worth a thousand words, so I want to give you a little walk up our street um, in this very quick slideshow because it's late at night. Great. So next slide. Um, it, essentially, we're, we can't withstand the additional traffic burdens here. Um, just our one street, Stafford Road, which runs right up at the end to where this facility will be, um, we have over 20 minor children on that one street. This isn't the additional ladder roads. Um, they walk up it to go to the high school. They walk up that street to go to the middle school. It has, as you'll see in the photos, no sidewalks. It's incredibly narrow. We have two newborns on the street. We have two toddlers on the street. There's a lot of action. Next slide, please. Thank you. Um, so this is just a morning on Stafford Road. You can see a couple people talking on the street. And this is sort of a bus that might go to that type of center or go to the hospital. And this is a two-way street. You can see there's not a lot of space. And if we move, there's no, no sidewalks on either side. This is a nice weather day, no snow banks, no, uh, there's a slow Joe on its side, you can see there. And if you move to the next slide, please. Um, oh, mm. back one. Thank you. Um, in once to get by these, when these people are just try, uh, walking their dog, it's got to go almost to the other side of the road. Um, so we see this continuously now. These are just snapshots. We could go on for hours with all of our pictures. Next slide, please. Thank you. Um, so this is when two-way traffic is on our street. 
you can see there is not room. You, I walk my dog, you gotta jump on the neighbor's lawn. You walk on the neighbor's lawn in our neighborhood. Um, next slide, please. Um, school buses historically were not, did not run when my kids were in school up Spafford Road because it is a steep street and they said that they couldn't get up there and it was not safe for the kids to have a bus mm -hmm. stop on the street. Um, and it's a hill, so people move quickly up there. Next slide, please. Um, here we have the bus stop, and as you can see just behind that, that's where this big, big, huge, um, uh, 70 bed, uh, 70, is it 70 rooms, 78 bed facility with dining rooms, common areas, big giant structure. That's where it is. Um, and this is what you have for now when you have a school bus on the street, how much extra space. It's very, there's not a lot of room there. Um, next slide, please. So snow, ice, or rain, this is what our, this isn't Stafford, but you know, it, it contributes to that. And next slide, please. So we don't even need a model to tell us that this isn't a good idea. Additional 288 cars coming up and down this street. Uh, the GPS takes all of these visitors that are frequently going to come to the facility for the holidays, et cetera, to visit their family up Spafford Road. And people use it um, as a cut through, as most people know. Um, the neighborhood has been working with the hospital. We've been in here complaining every opportunity we have. They're on their best behavior now. And you're gonna, one would presume. And you are gonna see in the upcoming slides, we get the laundry service truck almost daily. We get ambulances multiple times a day. Um, so it's not a problem that's been, we've been able to resolve and, and we're just gonna add to it. It just seems um, short-sighted. Next slide, please. Um, so here you have just typical day, ambulance, and then at the end of the street, I think that might be the ride. Um, so we're just, this is constant. We could give you real-time um, pictures, and um, but I wanted you just to see the type of action we're getting. Um, and that's why we are so concerned. Next slide, please. Uh, this is crown linen and uniform going down the street. And this is just the hospital. This is what's there. We got it. We know we moved in. The hospital was there. We, uh, but, but we're saying, please don't add to this. Uh, next slide, please. Um, this is the intersection at Highland and Stafford that you're going to see. You were all out there for the walkthrough recently. It's not uncommon to have multiple cars at these stop signs. And the cars, because of that backup there, they just shoot down Stafford. Next slide, please. So this was recently, this was the day of the last meeting I had to leave for an emergency and had the slideshow prepared. And I had just been out for a jog. It was a really nice day. And I grabbed my camera because it was not a typical high traffic time. I can get the time if you need it. There's someone who's just gone through the stop sign and there's two cars waiting at the stop sign. This is right in front of where the center is going to be. Next slide, please. Um, so we come before the, I guess it's the traffic committee, and, and the best advice we got is if you park on the street, 
people will kind of have to zigzag around. It's and that's effective yeah. advice. They do so have to slow down. They do. And this is my husband's truck from doing that. Um, you know, they get, if we don't put those, uh, the sides in on the, um, this is what happens. That's the result. So, so what I'm saying is we're kind of um, in talking about what we can do to mitigate this addition. We have a big problem already, and there's no sidewalks there. There's no, like, we can put this in the middle. We can put this on the ends. There's, there's no space to, to do anything, really. Um, next slide, please. I think that might be it. Okay, and I also, it's really important that when this went, I'm a lay person, I don't have all of the um, proper terminology, but when this went before a vote to say, we want this in our town possibly, bring it up to that next level so these people can really look at it. That number was not 228 trips per day. It was... Well, not, we didn't have a number. When we presented 150, we were told by you know, some town meeting members, by the select board chairwoman, that 150 trips a day was a gross exaggeration, that a neighborhood of four or five houses would generate more traffic than this because the residents don't drive. Um, and actually, the latest traffic report, using actual data from Newburyport, same number of uh, beds and units, is 288 trips a day. So it's double what we were told was a gross exaggeration. So, sorry. And they're saying that, thank you. And, and, and they're saying it's a no-go, less units. So we're, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like there's flexibility there. So in closing, you know, it doesn't feel good to come up and say, I don't want a memory care center. I, I think I'm, I'm not in, in what they're doing. Um, it, it, that's not my objection. The location, it's short-sighted. This isn't the right spot. And it's putting kind of a square peg into a round hole because the hospital owns the land and it's there and it's convenient, but it's a swamp and there's already a big traffic um, issue there. And so, it, it, and none of us expected this to be, it wasn't zoned this way. Um, so we live, that's, that is, I, I believe it's a, a scenic route. Okay. So you can't take out down a stone wall or, or move a tree um, if you're doing work on the road, on a scenic road, but we are going to, because this is wetlands, abut almost to the road, a 70 unit massive structure. Bigger than the fruit center, I think we told uh, 60% bigger than the fruit center. 67 bigger than the fruit center. And because it's wetlands, we got to put it right in the corner where we are literally, where that school bus picture was, it's right there. Um, because it's not like the hospital where you can kind of plop it way back in the middle and with a bunch of trees in front. That's not what this is going to look like. And you're vastly changing the character of this neighborhood. And it's really on the backs of the families here. And there's a lot of them watching from home with kids that can't be here. Um, but it's one of those, um, the ends don't justify the means in this situation. It's inequitable to put the burden on the families in this new product. And as I said, um, I think it, 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 it's not the issue um, of, of not thinking that the center is a good idea. It's, it's just the location is, is not appropriate. Thank you. Thank you. So Thank you, Josh. <clears throat> Great. Thanks.
Meredith, we, we had multiple people speaking there. I don't know if everyone gave their name and address. Um, I couldn't see because the, uh, the screen was pushed here. Yeah, uh, Mandy asked uh, me to comment on Bart Henry's I-11 Stafford Road, so that was me speaking uh, briefly. That's great. Thank you. Welcome. Hello. Gene Irwin, 120 Highland Street, town meeting member, precinct nine. Um, in the planning board's own rules and regulations on regarding roads, roads and ways, it discusses sewer systems for new development. And in section 10-2, it says all new and existing subdivisions must be gravity-fed sewer systems, not, inject, not sewage ejectors, gravity-fed. And if that is impractical, the um, applicant should do their own septic system on their property. This is another fatal flaw. This property has more fatal flaws than I can shake a stick at. I'm also interested in finding out how does a dead end go beyond the legal limit according to our same bylaws that say in section, uh, in zone A, you can get up to 650 feet. The rest of the town is pretty much at 500 feet. This is 700 plus. Where did that authority come from? Just a question, Ben. Tim, if you can answer it, anyone can answer it. Tim, do you want to speak to what, that? What was the question? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch all ends, of that. The dead ends. Our rules and regulations say dead ends cannot exceed 500 feet in most zoning um, jurisdictions. In zoning A, they say it can uh, be up to 650 feet. It also says we're supposed to have a 50-foot like lollipop turnaround. And every, everything this app application wants just slides right through all of our bylaws. There's, there's no supervision. Cheryl's been asking, and Maggie, Cheryl, you go back a year and a half waiting for the swept path analysis. Maggie, you go back several weeks. I've been going back three years. This is mandatory. I cited 527 CMR section 18.1.1.4. It's mandatory. Why are we here if you can't get fire trucks in there? These are, I think, fair questions. And I, you know, talk about insulting one time. The applicants, I feel insulted. I think all of you folks should feel insulted. I think the whole town should feel insulted. We can't get basic questions asked. Then we, you know, you, all of you were at the uh, sidewalk, it's up to you, Richard. And again, we're being told the stormwater system that you all saw with your own eyes is not there. And in addition, it doesn't work. It's working flawlessly. The only dry land that we're talking about here is due to that stormwater system. If you go behind the house at 107, where there's that, again, historic manhole, I think there should be a two and a half, a two year demo delay on that. But if you go to that manhole behind 107, that's where it, it, it dries the land above it. The only dry land that's developable at this whole site starts at that manual. It's working perfectly. So again, I know it's late, 
people on which patients. Thank you. But again, fatal flaw. There's no place for the sewage unless they're going to put it on their own property, which is already a swamp. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And we hope those so, questions so will be answered. Ma yes. To, to answer the question, um, the this special permit is governed by the special care memory care residence development zoning that was passed by town meeting in March. Um, so, I mean, to the extent that other elements of the zoning code are relevant, you'd have to go into into that zoning. Um, but that's that's the guide for the special permit is the zoning. Okay, thank you. Yes, welcome. Thank you. You could just state your name and address, please. Um, Francis Canty, um, 36 Bedford Road. I want to start by saying, again, I agree with Mindy, we're not here to say we don't want a memory center in Milton. We're, we're simply saying this is not the best location. We don't know, we bought in Milton, one of the things we, we, we all love suburbia, we want to give our kids the best place to, um, to grow up, and Milton affords us that opportunity. But the other thing we all also know is that we buy in Milton because of property value. Like, we all have it, buying in Milton is an investment, it's a return on our investment, and we all take a lot of pride in that, and like, this is our life's work. I haven't heard anything about a study that's being done that has compared the return in value for individuals who buy around these properties. Like, have we talked about what will happen to my property that, you know, this is my life's work. I have a 78 bed um, facility near me. What does that do to my property, my resale value? If I'm a young family, do you think I wanna buy Next to a, a to a next to a facility that has 78 beds, there's increasing traffic. Like the streets are congested. Like that's not you know it's not equitable. Nor is it fair for individuals who have worked their butts off to buy these properties, and now the value is being diminished. Not not because of anything that like I, I certainly did not know that you know when I bought this property that at some point or another a 78 bed institution would be next to it. Like, I would have made a different, all of us would probably make a different investment. And now we're being burdened with this, and it affects our lives, it affects our livelihood for our children, because when you invest, when you buy a home, that home potentially will probably go to your children in, in the future. So this, this is a bad investment for all of us on the street, not only us on the street, but the neighboring individuals in the other streets. This will impact a lot of us. And I think, you know, you guys need to consider that about these people who have made these investments and have worked their butts off to, um, to buy these properties. Thank you so much. Great. Anyone else or anyone from the public? Or, okay, well, we'll, okay. yeah. A whole bunch of hands. Okay, great. Um, I'm Teresa O'Brien at 42 Spafford. Like everyone's saying, we're not against a memory center, yeah. but it would be great. I know zoning passed for a 78 bed unit, 78 beds or 78 units. It would be great if it was smaller. They could mm -hmm. still do that just because zoning passed for 78 beds. They could still make it smaller. It would be great if they could do that, move the loading dock from where it is currently to the other side. If they made it smaller, you'd have better parking. It would be, you know, it's just such a big building. And all the plans, I don't see trees. You saw a picture recently of the entrance, but you don't see all the trees on Highland. So the good picture that 
Mandy showed of the bus is that's what it looks like in the winter. There is no leaves. There's, you know, we're not seeing any trees being replaced right there. So it's just not the right place. And I saw they changed the construction hours, but still like Saturdays, they wrote Saturdays that they'd work inside, but we prefer no Saturdays or at least start at nine on Saturdays because we all know they're going to show up early. You're going to hear these trucks coming. You'll hear the workers outside. And even if it is work inside, you can still hear them banging. So mm -hmm. it's still like to seven o'clock on Saturday. It's too early. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Right, welcome. Um, Bart, I read yeah, that. Good. Road. Thank nice you. Nice to see you all. Good to man. see you. And um, th thank you, Rich, for everything you've done. I know I've only been uh, a part of maybe 10, 12 meetings, and it's been a burden on my family to be here. <laughs> so I can only imagine for yours. So thank you very much, and thank you, all of you. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the site walk and kind of what we've learned and just put things in context, context a little bit, because I've been on, I think, three of them now. And... Um, that night, you know, I went back and checked the U.S. Uh, Weather Service data. I think we got a quarter quarter inch of rain overnight, and I think another tenth or, or so that morning. So about a third of an inch total of rain. And um, for those of you who were there, wearing your waders, your your your, your boots, uh, your raincoats, um, you know, many of the steps you took off of that driveway were in wet spots. Mm. You know, and not all of that is necessarily designated currently as wetland. Um, you know, what I've learned throughout this process is that uh, the definition of a wetland, I believe, is um, land saturated with water uh, less than 12 inches or less below the surface for most of the year, for the majority of the year. So we have significant areas of wetlands. It's why they can only build in a certain area. It's why they have to, you know, build a superstructure, essentially a bridge over two stream crossings, um, because when it rains more than a third of an inch, when it rains two inches or three inches, that whole area floods, that driveway floods. Paul Avery explained it, their engineer explained it, that that first uh, crossing, um, what's there now, the road goes down a little bit, the driveway goes down a little bit, it all floods. So they have to build up. They, they have to, you know, in some places, Paul Avery said, up to 10 feet high of a retaining wall, the road has to go up. So we're building this huge elaborate structure over and around significant wetlands. And then, um, you know, again, to go back to that, that morning, it, it seemed pretty wet everywhere. That was a, a third of an inch. Now imagine three inches. Imagine July 2021, hurricane season, when we had uh, Elise and, and um, forget the other one. We had about five or six inches of rain in one week. If you went up there and saw that, that whole area would be flooded. And that area is acting as an important buffer for the neighborhood for, um, you know, for, you know, all, on all sides. And um, when we asked, I think Cheryl, you asked the question um, a couple weeks ago about, well, what about when the test pits were done? In the you know in the area that they where they want to build the facility, how far down did you hit water? Um, so the answer was uh, between 24 and 33 inches in the dry area. So if the wetlands is 12 inches and the dry area is 24 to 33, what we're basically saying is the whole area, the whole site is either wetlands or almost wetlands. And on Tuesday night's conservation commission meeting, we asked. Um, you know, well, it's not just, you know, down, you know, so okay, let's say, let's say magically we snap our fingers and the property is built and everything's in place and all these uh, retention areas are there and, you know, it's handling the water as, they, as their modeling says it will. Um, 
if we factored in the deforestation, the over 230 trees and the, and the impact of that, well, no, we, we, we can't really assess that on the groundwater. Um, what about the 18 months in between where you, you know, you're doing construction, you, you've, you've cut down all the trees, but you, um, you haven't really set up all the, all the necessary drainage. What happens then? You're going to have some flooding during rain events during your construction period. What's the, what's the plan for that? Well, we, we, we don't really know. We've asked a few times about groundwater. We know that the whole area has a high water table. Like I said, 24 inches in the dry area to 33 inches where they want to build. That's where the water is. The last 12 months are among the 12 driest months. This one year period is among the driest in, on, on historical record. You, you live through last summer, go to your yard right now and check out the dirt. It's dust. Um, you know, so even those measurements in December may, may be, you know, if you did those measurements during, during a wetter part of the year or, or not this year, maybe if you did them in 2020, 2021, you're going to see probably water closer to the surface. So I think we really believe that, um, there's just so much we don't know about the impacts of groundwater and, and the dire consequences to neighboring properties, um, that, that there needs to be more study because, so far, the questions about groundwater, the responses are, well, you know, we're not required, you know, we're adhering to the performance standards for stormwater, but we're not, we're not required to analyze groundwater and water table. And we don't really know the individual conditions on neighboring property, so that's beyond our scope of work, which makes sense. But I think we feel that, you know, this is, you know, this isn't something you put in and in 10 years, you know, can change your minds, right? This is something that's gonna be here. We may sell our houses, some of us may, may no longer be in this world, and this is gonna endure for generations. So um, I think it benefits all of us to understand what, what are the impacts of the hydrology and, and, and that's something that we we're really, you know, we believe needs to be looked at. Um, you know, I, I haven't commented. I know there's been a lot of discussion in the past about the old storm, storm drainage system. And, you know, because I, I wasn't really sure what to make of all of it. But, you know, I, I stopped and I looked at some of that. You know, the, the clay pipe at the top there near the Bacardi house, the, the, the wetlands up higher that feed that water. Um, you look at it and it's, it's old and you're like, well, we're not going to touch that. We're just going to build around that. We're going to build the superstructure of retaining walls around the stream crossing on one side. We're not going to touch the clay pipe there. We're going to build this huge building around here. And you know, I'm just thinking to myself, well, that okay, but everything breaks. Everything corrodes and crumbles. And and if that pipe breaks, what happens? If it if it breaks higher up, what happens? Where does that water go? It changes everything. Areas that were wet before now may not be as wet. Areas that were dry may be more wet. So it just seems it seems strange that we would, you know, invest all this time to look at an elaborate plan to, to really circumvent, you know, what nature wants to do there, um, and not consider it. Just leave in place all these old things that are they're gonna they're gonna break and, and cause problems down the road. So, just in summary, I know um, it's late and everyone wants to go home. I think on, on the on the water. I think we, we don't, there's so many questions we don't know the answer to, and, and there has been a lot of analysis, but even just, I think, what, what Ned alluded to, which is a really, um, I think, potentially a noble response to a question from a, a conservation commission a member who, who said, you know, your 24-inch pipe, or, or there's some discussion of a 36-inch pipe, that first stream crossing, um, that's gonna, it's gonna hinder wildlife. So can we look at a box culvert that's wider? Uh, bless you. Uh, so you know, yes, wildlife is devastatingly impacted by this project, so let's try to mitigate that. 
but what what's the consequence of that? Well, areas that were cooling up south, higher upland, will now not cool as much, but areas northward that are that are not as high are going to have a lot more cooling because now you've just increased the flow of water, the tremendous amount of water that they've said is going to be flowing through the property. Now that's that that's going to have to be retained somewhere else, and that you know so that's a potential benefit to wildlife, but. You know, and they're saying you know, net net it's the same amount of water, so the storm drainage doesn't change. But really, that could be hugely impactful for the groundwater because an area, like I said, that was was you know that is now today wetland. Now you're allowing you're you're allowing much more to flow through than what has been. That that may shrink the wetland there, and now you have a much bigger wetland over here, and the people that live down there. That may be a problem for them. So, so I think there's just a, there's a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of technical issues that we just don't have the answers to. That you know we believe we need to bring in um, additional expertise, particularly for hydrologists. Um, I've done predictive modeling. I, I have a master's in economics and statistics. I'm a business consultant. Um, we, we we model stuff all the time, and there's always limitations. And I think there's no substitute for experts in, in the particular field. And and I think having a hydrologist come in would would, um, would would certainly shed light on 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 the huge concerns around water um, so I'll stop there okay. I have some you know other th other points on other areas but um, uh, others have talked have talked about traffic so I'll stop there thank, thank you very you much, much Barbara you're always good uh, yeah thank you yes. comment yes. Stafford um, we're also just concerned with all the water how about winter Valley the 36 units and then it's the 40b passes they all kind of back up to each other yeah. So we just want to make sure someone's really looking at everything in the whole yeah. and not just this one plot of land that, you know, we're just concerned that they all yeah. line up on the map. Yes. Thank you very Thank much. You. Yeah, we will have the hydrologist in our peer review, uh, Sean Reardon, um, who's, who's doing that um, okay. stormwater um, on the 27th. Hopefully he'll be here. All right, is there anyone from the public, Julia? You're seeing hands up, you said? Daniel Hill. Yes, Daniel Hill, welcome. Can let him in. And you know what, if we could just limit our comments to just two to three minutes, we just really, because um, it is getting late, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, great. Uh, my name's Dan Hill, I'm a land use attorney, and I represent uh, the folks, the neighbors on Spafford Road, um, I won't repeat anything they've said. They've all spoken quite eloquently on these issues. Uh, but I did want to just uh, raise a few points uh, this evening, and I know the hour's late. Um, first, on the issue of hydrology, um, Sean Reardon is actually not a hydrologist. He's, he's a, a civil engineer. And I think what the comment made by, by Bard and the others uh, is really important, that stormwater engineering does not tell us anything about hydrogeological hydro impacts. Um, the hydrocat model that's the basis for the stormwater calculations says nothing about hydrogeological impacts, impacts on the groundwater and the wetlands. Uh, so we'd strongly recommend that the board retain a peer review hydrogeologist, uh, just like the, the Conservation Commission has in the last two would be projects. Uh, the Conservation Commission has retained uh, GZA, which, is, which did a, a very good job evaluating the impacts uh, on those two projects, and we'd recommend that 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 occur here as well. Um, in, in summary, this project really just represents a gross utiliz overutilization uh, of an environmentally sensitive site, um, which will present a number of adverse impacts on the wetlands, increased flooding on abutting properties, a higher water table in the neighborhood, and, and 
uh, increased traffic impacts in the neighborhood as you heard tonight. Um, you know, your your job. I mean, it's the, the planning board's role here is, is to, to to make a finding essentially, and the finding in the bylaw says, you know, will the project provide a public benefit without significant uh, unmitigated detrimental impacts? That's the language of the bylaw, and the purpose of the public hearing, of course, is, that, is to receive evidence on on these impacts. Um, and you know, your peer reviewer, uh, Mr. Reardon, has done a good job so far with with his. his uh, letter and obviously has raised a lot of important questions that need to be answered and we will hopefully hear more about that at the next meeting. Um, the, um, I, I did want to just briefly address the the the, um, the buffer zone. I mean, this site is a uh, is consuming a big part of the 100 foot buffer zone for the wetlands of the site, which. Uh, has really not been not been addressed, and, and it's pretty well accepted in the, in the wetland science community that the hundred foot buffer zone uh, is very significant to wildlife protection, flood control, and water quality protection. Um, in this project, you've got very steep slopes, you've got a natural topography that's already steep, and as a result, you've got tall retaining walls all along the wetland boundaries. Um, buffer zones for wetlands should have gradual uh, slopes and topography, not vertical slopes. Uh, so that's a big problem for for wetland science. Um, and then, just briefly on the on the access issues, uh, the, the gentleman spoke. Uh, Gene spoke about the swept path analysis. He, he's absolutely right. Um, this this project design does not comply with state fire prevention code. Uh, one of the issues is that it doesn't have uh, adequate access around the permanent building. Um, the, the fire code. Uh, puts a cap of 250 feet from any point of the building to a fire access road. Uh, the most remote part of this building is 660 feet from a fire access road. Um, so it simply doesn't comply with that standard, and, and we haven't seen yet a subpath analysis to see if the fire truck can come in and turn around in that traffic circle in front of the building. Um, and then finally, I just wanted to ask the board to uh, requ request that Sean Reardon review the electronic CAD file for the site plans uh, to verify the dimensional uh, calculations, the, the area calculations that are provided on sheet C200, um, the, the area calculations for the open space and, and, and the uh, lot coverage and so forth. These are critical eligibility requirements, as you know, for this bylaw. Uh, and we also know that there's really no margin for error here. Uh, this Every square inch of the site that's upland is being consumed by buildings or stormwater infrastructure or retaining walls, uh, except for that dog-like portion, which can't be used anyway. Uh, so there really is very little margin for error, and that makes it very important that, that you guys vet these calculations and not just rely on face value for the table that's provided on the site plan. We ask that the CAD file be given to Sean, and that Sean review the CAD file to verify those numbers. I, mean, I just saw one discrepancy real quick. Uh, in the notice of intent, the notice of intent says that there's over 90,000 square feet of impervious surface, but yet the site plan says the 79,000 square feet of impervious surface. Uh, so I think there's some, some reason to be concerned about the accuracy of some of these calculations. So thank you very much for the time tonight and look forward to participating in the next meeting. Thank you very much. Excellent comments. I appreciate that. Julia, are you seeing anyone? Nadine, Hannah. Nadine, let's invite Nadine. Hi, everyone. How are you tonight? Thanks for having me. Uh, Welcome. Welcome. 
Hi everyone, that's the trouble with multiple devices at one time. Am I here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's an echo. Your phone? It's a feedback. It's a feedback. I think it's from her computer on her end. There. You're gonna, you're gonna teach me about this later. It's good now, right? She was on there twice. I muted once. Oh, sorry, she's good. So she might have been on her phone, had it on her phone and her computer. Hi, do you have me now? Yes. Yes. Hi, so sorry about that. You're right. I did have you on my phone and my computer. I was just for the one spot at a time. We've all been there. Um, yeah. That's okay. Needing <laughs> Hannah, 11 Stafford Road. Um, thank you again for having me. I'm going to get teased by my neighbors for, for this for sure later on, but... Um, just a couple of quick points. Um, first of all, of course, I echo everything that my neighbors on Stafford said and also Attorney Dan Hill. Um, I want to just make a quick point out, you know, um, Ms. Ned Corcoran said tonight, you know, questioning the number of beds is a non-starter for them. It's not a non-starter for us. Questioning this facility to begin with, back to basics, is a huge question for us. Should it be there? We don't think so. Could it be smaller? We think so. Um, something else we've been told that they wouldn't consider, which I don't know why we're taking so many things that that this developer tells us um, to be facts, you know, to be just kind of the way it is. Why can't we encourage, ask, or demand that they actually pay to tie into Winter Valley for not just sewer but also road access? Why? Why does this facility have to open up on, onto Highland Ave? Um, I don't believe it has to. I just think that it maybe it's not as cost-effective to them, um, but it's highly detrimental to our, our lifestyle, our neighborhood, our well-being to have it tie in on Highland and you know leading out of Stafford. Um, another quick point um, in regards to the Highland Street plantings that were mentioned um, on the Conservation Commission, and I know that Ned pointed out tonight that during the party specific site visit that they had, that they discuss this double um, double planting row concept, which is something that was echoed as being effective between some houses on Stafford and Hilton Hospital. Um, from the Hills House, familiar with the Hills House, which uh, I'm at number 11, that's two houses up for me, and down the hill from there, we don't have the double row arborvitae plantings that they were referencing. So I invited the Conservation Commission, I invite all of you come on over to my backyard right now, especially before it leaves out. I can show you what it looks like to see a medical facility that's actually much farther, um, downhill, farther from the hospital than St. Teresa's house will be across from, um, from the proposed Northbridge site. And you can see what it looks like to see a medical facility and then directly abutting my backyard. Um, they have utility trucks and sheds and 
all kinds of equipment. Um, and as I mentioned during that meeting, I knew what I was getting into when I bought my house. It was winter. It was you know without uh, foliage, um, and as we also as I also said, it further away. It's still striking. I wake up every morning, go to my bathroom, I see a hospital. Um, I hear the noise in the hospital. They're doing work at night. I'm not sure what they're doing, but but it's active. Um, they don't have a robust planting plan for Highland Ave. They don't have a robust screening plan for the loading dock, for the trash uh, area. These are all things that are going to be highly visible in the current plan that should be um, encouraged or forced to, to update and increase. Um, the parking, uh, the, the traffic, uh, you know, as, as was stated earlier, there's been this consistent talk downplaying how much traffic will be brought into the area. Um, and we were told, you know, that had so much to do with, uh, you know, the, the people who are occupying the building, not really using operating motor vehicles and uh, all this, this talk of how they could structure the um, employees' schedule timing to kind of, you know, uh, mitigate some of that traffic. And now here we go. Well, we're going to openly invite um, crowds of people to come in on holidays, on the on what the neighborhood experiences an off day for regular traffic as it is. Um, you know, and, and to Mandy's um, presentation, she didn't have time to include the picture that she took today of me walking down the hill with uh, my one-year-old in the carriage and the complete stop of traffic when it came to a delivery vehicle, um, a hospital-related vehicle, and, and just, you know, my own or, or her own vehicle, one of our vehicles parked in the street at the same time. You know, it's, we can't get through as it is. We shouldn't be overburdening the street any further. Um, and, and, you know, we just ask you guys Thank to you. really force them to, to not tell us what it is we should be accepting. We should be telling them what is okay, what is acceptable and appropriate for this neighborhood in Milton. Uh, and my last point being towards what I will just outright call the deforestation of, of the 230 or so trees, this concept of a one-for-one -one planting or, you know, if it comes down to the, you know, replacing by the caliper side, company. Imagine if you made like a spring bed, right, of, of like tulips or daffodils. You're encouraged to plant in clusters. When you take, when you take away a forest and then you drop a tree here and there throughout the town, you're not having the same impact like that you would if you, if you planted a forest, if you planted a cluster of trees, you planted even a cluster of flowers. That, that's where that kind of analogy from. What they're doing is going to be striking. They're going to be ripping out the forest it's going to be a facility and, and commercial in a neighborhood that was previously forested residential and actually with a history of old buildings and, and old trees. And now that's gonna be gone. So the entire nature of our neighborhood is going to be gone. And, it, and it's a huge decision to make for the town, not just the neighborhood, for the town in general. So thank, thank you for you. your consideration tonight. Thank you very much. And I think with that, um, I appreciate all the comments from everyone, um, but I think that we should, at, it's 11.20, make a motion to move this, and we'll have more time on the 27th for further discussion. Um, if I could entertain a motion to move the public hearing, um, to continue the public hearing until uh, April 27th. Motion? 
They'll make a motion to continue to until. I'm sorry. I know it's. Can they speak on the trial? Like, yeah. I just want to. They've been on for waiting. So long. Okay. All right. If we have two more people, if we could just keep it, if they could keep it, you know, really to two minutes, we. We have one more item on our agenda, but. Um, I, I just want to make one quick yeah. comment on the MBTA hearing. I'm, I'm really upset that we're getting to it at 11 o'clock at night, I know. five minutes for three or four meetings in a row. And I, I feel like a lot. this is like the one most, of the important, most important, thing. important things in town right now. And we hear it from residents and we're spending no time on it. And we it, need a meeting just for MBTA. I agree. I'm gonna say. I know. I was going to say the same thing um, and put it, we have a public hearing, but first on our agenda. Um, Yes. So, all right, Julia, who's, who do you have then? Um, Alan Hankins. Okay. If we can have Alan speak for just very briefly. Yes. Hello. Can everybody Thank hear me? You. Yes. All right. I appreciate you guys hearing me. I know it's late and everybody wants to move on to other things. I, I will keep this very short. Uh, I represent the Wells family at 179 Highlands. Uh, we've all heard a lot about how wet this site is. We've heard about uh, pipes that drain onto the site, the amount of flooding that occurs. Uh, it, it's clearly a big issue with the site. So I just want to point out that it doesn't seem, at least in any of the materials that I've reviewed, that there's been any sort of uh, a survey to map and determine, I guess, the existing stormwater structure, the pipes, you know, those kinds of things that are currently located at this property. Uh, I, I know that the NOI references a, a manhole structure that's towards the north end of the western intermittent stream that's going to be uh, removed to accommodate the new stream crossing to the rear parking area. And I just, I haven't seen anything that talks about what infrastructure that manhole ties into, uh, how its removal will affect the other drainage systems that are currently in place of this property. Uh, given the history of, of how old the uh, agricultural use for the site dates back, um, I think it's gonna be actually pretty difficult to know what's underground uh, that relates to the stormwater system. And it doesn't appear, at least from, from what I've seen, that there's been any effort to, to survey and understand what's there, uh, which seems to be a pretty critical issue. I don't know how, how you plan to do construction at this wet of a site with known stormwater infrastructure in place uh, without having a, a pretty clear understanding going into it, what is where. So uh, I'm excited to, to uh, ask a few more questions at the April 27th meeting. Uh, that's just the, the top of mind question that seems like a, a critical issue that I just have not yet seen addressed. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, next, Julia. Tatia West. Tatia? Tosia. Tosia? Tosha. Tosha. Sorry. Uh, hello? Hello. Hello. Oh, it's Tosia. Yes. Yeah, ta yeah yes. Uh, it's Tasha Wells, 179 Highland Street. I will be very brief. Thank you all for your time and consideration. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Alan. Um, I just want to say that I support my neighbors on Spafford Road and all of the points that they have made tonight. And that is all that I will say. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is that Frank, Frank, we can let Frank in again briefly, please. Thank you.
too. Yep, you're muted, Frank. I'm sorry, I thought someone said yes, they heard me. Just real quick, Frank Donovan, 16 Spafford. Um, the, my question is more how these meetings are run. Um, if the last couple I've been on, this issue's been relegated to the end of the meeting. Everybody's running, trying to get out the door, which I totally understand, but it's not getting the attention that it deserves. I think we lose people from other parts of town that aren't so effective, but probably wouldn't, um, would like to hear the whole story. So is, how, how does the agenda get set? Like what's discussed first, that sort of thing. Thank you. Thank you. This was an unusual evening that we had three public hearings. This usually is not um, the case. Um, we were wrapping up 440 Granite um, so that we could have a vote with all of our board members um, all together. And then we have a zoning article, which is critical of the timing that we discussed that also this evening. And of course, memory care. So. It's all important. Yeah, yeah. one of the things and I think that I, I would say too yeah. is that we have to do continuation to a date and time certain. Um, and so we have to hold it at that time. And so um, I just want to say that yeah. sometimes it, we might be, we try and accommodate schedules and we do it every, every two weeks out, but mm -hmm. sometimes it really might need more time and need a month out um, to fit other things on the agenda because there's time frames that we have um, to, respond to applications so we you know we can't just put applications off and only focus on one yeah. we have to try and, and work on all things so unfortunately um it does push things um which sometimes late which actually leads me um because the mbta communities is something we have a timeline on um to really give memory care the time and you know be able to put it on earlier in the agenda um what if we, we we've already continued the hearing for the um, recodification to the 27th um, what if we put the MBTA communities and dedicate that meeting and then be able to dedicate the following meeting for memory care and we could put you on earlier on the agenda you know and have a real in-depth discussion um, because I'm worried that the, the, the MBTA communities is also going to be a really long discussion. It's something that's huge. Um, I don't know how the board members feel I about that. I think that makes a lot more sense. I think that's fairer to uh, 111 Highland and also gives us the chance to focus on the MBTA communities. I, I, I'd support that. So that would be uh, May 11th? It would be May 11th is our next scheduled, yes. And that, yes. Is that okay? It would be a better discussion for you, I think. Yeah, with you. May 11th. Okay, so I'll, I'll make a motion to continue the public hearing for 111 Highland Street Memory Care Facility to May 11th at 7.05. To 7.05. What time did we put the... Um, we did 7.05 on the 27th. 7.05 on the 27th. And then, so 7.05, yes, so that's open. Second. Second. Okay. 
uh, Rich? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Sean? Yes. Maggie? Yes. And myself? Yes. Great. Thank you all. We'll see you on the 11th. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Good. So, my so good night, everybody. Thank you for coming. I do have a constraint. I do have a constraint. Even a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I couldn't come April 13th. Did I? Yeah. Oh, you moved whatever you so had I to. Really the, I have to move, but I have to go. I have to. My yeah. son's driving. You need to go. You definitely my son's go. driving to Virginia, and I need yeah, to you give do. him the car. Please, you go. <laughs> yes. Yes, so, you um, go. So, Tim. See what yes. this I didn't see it. Um, Tim, unfortunately, we're, we are out of time. Maggie, if you need to go, you please go ahead. Um, the MBT, Can we MBTA communities. I'd like to That's what some, uh, Tim some feedback. Me too. All right. Okay. But Maggie, thank you for right. sticking it out. Thank this you, one. Maggie. All right, Cheryl, go ahead if you want oh, to go first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tim, I looked through um, what util supplied and um, I just wanted to ask, are they out now? Are we done with their scope of services or we can't get another um, crack at the, the model? Because we talked last time about um, looking at higher density at um, some parts of the one half mile radius, not having it be um, one consistent density across the whole district. And um, you know this compliance model, the only the only one that it has that actually works is um, in a subdistrict that's closest to the trolley, but not the only, but not the entire half mile. And it puts it at four units an acre on a minimum lot size of four thousand square feet, and. It gets us to the 15 units an acre, but by using East Milton Square and the Granite Ave. But we talked about possibly also including something on Randolph Ave. Um, Two parcels on And I'd like to, um, so I think we need more work. And I, I just wanted to see where we were with UTIL and see where we were with MATC. And I want time for us to discuss these pieces yeah. of it. And we don't really have time tonight, so that's, yeah. that's my feedback. <laughs> So, so we still we still have scope with UTL, um, and and the, the 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 primary tasks that we still have them for are another another model run of of districts. Um, so we could we could have them test additional districts or change the borders of districts we've already tested. We have them on the hook for um, visualizations of what. Um, different sort of densities would look like in in districts that we choose, and then we have them on the hook to produce some um, some materials to present to to the board. And, and um, the the I, I'm 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 less interested in who does the work and and more interested in the number of model runs that we can get out of these technical assistance providers. And so MAPC is also offering technical assistance uh, on running the compliance model. Uh, my, my thinking in all of this is, 
What was that? I was going to say, Util is also expected to give a public presentation and take that feedback, and that's where they were going to do the second re reiteration. So their, 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 their scope has them producing materials for public presentation. They're not actually, our, our scope with them is not actually to come and present consistent with other, um, other providers that are doing technical assistance. Okay. And I, I guess their first one, I, I expected their mapping to give more combinations of, say, not, they seem to max out and go way over in districts, giving us far many more units than were required. So they they, they sort of mapped it out so, with a yeah, exactly. large, large, So one of the things I would say is, you know, you yeah. have to start somewhere, and I think it's useful to see, like, like once they set it up, now we're learning something, mm -hmm. and that's where, that's why I wanted to know how many more process runs yeah. we have because I almost would like now to have a, a session I mean I don't know if it's in their scope but now they know something if we said well if you did this what do you think right. might happen if we did this what do you think might happen and I don't I'm not sure yet that I grasped that I haven't looked at this like the, the way they have but I still think we have some more uh, things to test and I want to make sure that we don't um you know, burn through the fee without getting to test more. Right. And um, I think it, we, we don't want to be shooting in the dark either. So I'd like the request to be informed. So I almost feel like I want a little report that says, you know, now that we've done this little bit of study, and maybe it's you having a conversation with them, Tim, and you reporting it to us back, if that's the way the scope needs to work. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I was prepared to do that tonight. Um, yeah. The materials that you have, th there's a lot of context behind them that. Um, yeah, so let's just talk schedule for a little bit then, because, all right, you have said that we have to use the fee for some of this work by the end of July. We're at the middle of April now, and I, I'm just trying to look. How many meetings is that? And That's for MAPC. MAPC is oh, right. No, both 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 technical assistance providers are, are basically through the end of the fiscal year. So okay. we have three months, basically three and a half months. And if you think we we meet twice a month, that's like seven meetings. Mm -hmm. Think about how big the a, a job yeah. this is for seven meetings. I mean, yeah, it's. I just think. Okay, in two weeks we're going to have another meeting. I, I almost. I really would like to have a meeting that's just dedicated to this so we we feel like we're guiding this work. So I guess in two weeks we can try and really delve into it. I just feel um, that we've missed some a um, whole month of by keeping this out to the end of the agenda each time. I I feel like that's some it's push it's gonna put us in a little bit of a rush. And so, well, we just got the maps uh, from Util, so we actually didn't really have anything to discuss until tonight because we just got the maps this week. And but we could Meredith, the, 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 the maps are only the maps are only as good as the inputs that we give to them to, to provide. And mm -hmm. you know, without having this kind of like happy going back and forth with Util testing some of these things. Um, you're happy with that, um, and I mean you as a board. I mean, I, I, I think that you know, without having guidance as to, yeah. okay, you know, what what types of density do we want to test? What are new dimensions? I mean, I, I, I've given them what I've been provided by the board, 
But unless there's that consistent back and forth informing that, I mean, you know, the, the, the maps are in there. But, you know, we haven't really had a chance to discuss them. So let's think about this. If this were a project, I'm sorry, yeah. if I just may. Um, if this were a project, Sean, this were a project in your office, you would have a schedule, you'd map it out, you'd know what you're going to try and get done in two weeks or four weeks, et cetera. And I know that Tim has said he's wanted our feedback for a few meetings. I, I'm not blaming anyone here. I'm just trying to yeah. get more urgency Absolutely. about the work because I feel like um, I feel the same way. I'm, we need that urgency. Yeah. It, it just, you know, um, it's such an important thing for us to really get our our heads around. And it may mean That's that what we're still trying to do is get our heads around it. And we may need to add another meeting in between after the the 27th meeting, um, and then maybe at another meeting because I think we're going to learn a lot about that. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I think that might, and I think Tim, if you could help us at the next meeting, maybe a draft of a schedule of, of what you think, um, you've been learning too with working with you till, um, and talking to all these folks. If, um, you know, it, I think even for the public to know that we're going to plan for a public uh, meeting, you know, approximately whatever in May. I'm just throwing mm -hmm. out ideas because uh, Tim has a timeline because we, we, we had to submit that. To, yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, but even to get that timeline sort of back out in public view, mm -hmm. because you know how it is in the summer, people will be busy and then yeah. we're going to get to the fall. And anyway, I, I, um, um, I just yeah. want to make sure that we're communicating not only our own work, but we're communicating right. with, with folks because there's a, um, I don't know, you know, I've been campaigning for reelection yeah. and I've talked to a lot of people and they don't this know about the, this. this is the thing that no, they do know about it, but they're Good. concerned about yeah. it and they don't know a lot about I it. I know a lot of people don't even know about them. it. So, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, one of the Great. things, even places like Fuller Village, they talk about MBTA community. So, I mean, it's, it's out there good. and people well, that's want good. To, to know what it means for us and know. Mm -hmm. Great. So, um, all right. So we will put this on, we will put this on immediately following our, um, recodification discussion and that'll be our, our agenda for the 27th. Good. Anything else, Tim, that you wanted to add to before we adjourn? I'm all set. Okay. All right. With that, motion to adjourn. I'll make the motion. Oh, Rich, what a motion to adjourn. Oh, Rich, yes. Second? I'll second. Second. Okay. Roll call. Sean? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Yes. Rich? Yes. Yes. Good evening. Trying to get me to 12. Good evening. <laughs> oh, we're going to drag it out. Good night.